Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. The return boat voice claims nobody ever bought a pair of pillows and cycled home with them on the handlebars. We're going to come together. We want our voices heard. We want that station manned. There's only so many hits and kicks you can take when you're in business, whether you're a hairdresser or a restaurant. Join the conversation. Call 0818-969696. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96FM. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Isn't it unseasonably lovely? Someone said that to me last evening. It's unseasonably lovely. It's only the 10th of October, for goodness sake. But yes, it is still gorgeous. And another humdinger of a day ahead of us. It was really lovely yesterday. Actually, yesterday evening was so lovely. I was standing out the back about 10 o'clock last night. Uh, waiting for the dogs to finish you know what dogs need to do at 10 o'clock at night before you leave them alone in the kitchen for the evening and I kind of said I'm going to bring out my cup of tea and I'm going to stand out here for 10 minutes because it's really really lovely which you don't expect that from the budget do you 0818 or from the, what am I talking about in October I mean what you do expect in October is the budget the reason I speak so quickly of the budget is that we're about Four hours. We're under four hours away from the announcement of the budget. Michael McGrath, uh, Minister for Finance, Corkman, Fianna Fáil man, will stand up in the Doyle at about five past one and he will give us uh, budget part one. He'll be followed by budget part two, which is given by Pascal Dunahue, uh, the Minister for Public Expenditure. It's a, it's a two-part budget. They've been doing it for a few years now. It is what it is. We're all kind of used to it. It's also much earlier than it used to be. Um, it used to be about three o'clock or maybe even four. And, and something I also remember too was that there was a time when a certain junior minister, um, I wonder does anybody remember his name? But at the time, he was a mere junior minister for European affairs. He went on to higher things, much higher things actually. And he had to resign from office because he gave a journalist 
a hint of what was in the budget. Now, the budget was being announced that time around half three, quarter to four. And the journalist ran with this line in an early edition of the paper. The evening paper ran with a line of what might be in the budget. And the leak was traced. And it was found that certain information had been faxed over from an office in time for the early evening edition of the paper. I'll tell you who the minister was in a minute. You'll probably remember. If you're of a certain age, you'll remember anyway, for sure. And if you're a bit of a political geek, you'll almost surely remember. Now things are different. We're only waiting to see now if there will be any surprises. Stephen Fox was out in the streets for us there for the last day or two, looking to know what people might want. Uh, we'll hear that in a minute. But what we are going to get this afternoon is we're going to get a tax cut, pretty much all of us, because the higher rate of income tax won't kick in now until €42,000. That's pretty much been nailed down. There'll also be a slight cut in the rate of universal social charge. The 4.5% will come down to 4%. And then the first rate of USC will hold until nearly 26000 So there should be a bit of a saving there for a lot of us on the universal social charge. For people who've been struggling with their mortgages, and God, there's an awful lot of them, if you haven't managed to nail yourself down onto a fixed rate, if you're still watching your tracker going up and up and are holding onto it because inevitably it might come back down again, well, you're going to get some kind of tax relief just for the year. I'm not too sure how much, but there will be some kind of tax relief for you in 2024. There will be more energy credits. The number varies from newspaper to newspaper and political correspondent to political correspondent this morning. But what I'm reading in at least two of the papers is three by 150 or two by 200. It's hard to know which, but three by 150 or two by 200 energy credits, which I know, I know they're not the perfect solution, but they did help last year. All social welfare payments up €12 a week. That from January. Doesn't happen from tonight, happens from January. There'll be a 400 lump sum then for everyone getting a carer's allowance, disability allowance or fuel allowance. A double child benefit payment, uh, not too sure when that'll happen, but it'll be in addition to the double one at Christmas. Free school books in for junior cert next see, next year. I'm not too sure how they're going to work that, but it'll all be explained to us. Uh, more hot meals program for schools. Uh, families with an income, a household income of less than 100,000 a year, college fees will be cut, cut to 1,500. Third level grants are going up. Uh, the public transport, people under 23 currently have half-price public transport. That's going to be extended now to people under the age of 25. The minimum wage, we're told, will also go up. Not entirely sure by what. That's that's the scan of it. Uh, This time tomorrow, I will have, and he does every year for us, the best summary anyone does on the budget. And that'll be John Lowe, the money doctor. I'll have his summary late tonight. And we'll talk to John tomorrow. Uh, about this. It, it it seems to be a kind of a late, late show budget. Do you know? One for everybody in the audience. Whether that works out, don't think we know. We don't know until they, they stand up 
and they deliver it this afternoon. Stephen went for a walk last couple of days just to see what people on the streets of our city might want uh, this afternoon. I'm in college. I live at home, so I have to drive in every single day. I do have to pay for petrol every single week. So just going up and up and up, I have an old ding of a car. And that's money to fix the car, so that's just on my mind. And then you also have, you know, minimum wages, obviously a big factor for me. I'd like to see the tax rates for overtime reduced for young people who would like to work more overtime to earn more money, but because they're taxed with 52% or 54%, whatever it is, and they need the extra money. The surplus that's coming from the corporate taxation side, I'd like to see that used if paying down existing debt or crucial infrastructure projects. I live at home on yeah, commute, 60, 60, 60 euro a week on yeah. petrol, yeah. 180? Yeah, it's like 190. How far are you coming in there? I can say it. Minimum wage, I suppose, mm. yeah. yeah. Andy. Do you work at the moment? Or? Yeah, yeah, just weekends. Okay, and you're, you're obviously on minimum wage. It's the moment. 11, yeah, 11, something, yeah. something, yeah. And you, what, would you, what would you like to see it go up to? Um, <laughs> anything really, yeah, any increase would be nice. More money put into student accommodation and just more student accommodation available because it's so hard to find accommodation. Have you managed to find accommodation yourself? Or? Yeah, but it's yeah. not been with UCC, it's been private, so it's, it's not sustainable for the students. There's people I know who haven't been able to go to the course that they wanted to because there's no point in putting it first because they don't have accommodation for it. Probably a reduction in student fees yeah. like they did last year. Um, I think, think was it was about grand last year Yeah. That, that they reduced. That's probably the thing that would affect yeah. students anyway the most. So what are they at at the moment? They're like three, one... That's for an undergrad? Yeah. Tax credit for trade union membership. I mean, at the moment, it's really important that people join up trade unions. It's the only way that they can defend their rights at work, which are being constantly undermined as uh, businesses are trying to make more and more profit out of people. I don't think about the budget. As I said, we make a delays today. But everything is going up tomorrow then. So what happens is you get it today and you're, you're delayed. It. Tomorrow then you're paying it back. And people are coming and so this is going up and that's going up. <laughs> that man at the end is not really wrong because you'll get a couple of quid today or you'll get a couple of quid in January and, and stuff is still going up. There's an amount of what he says. But I know two in there that um, we didn't get on the list. Tax on overtime. Now, that's a good one. Although I suspect that the change in USC and the change in income tax might affect that but tax on overtime is way way too high and the price of petrol keeps coming through we did read at the weekend it's not confirmed in this morning's papers but we did read the weekend that the last chunk of excise duty won't be put back on the petrol but last night I put petrol in my car and it cost me what 186 or 184 or something per per litre that's as close to 2 euros as near as damn it well, what would you like to see? So, yeah, four hours from now, less than four hours from now, Minister Michael McGrath will be giving us his budget speech. What would you like? What have you not heard us mention this morning that you would like to see? 83 Just to gauge the the mood of opinion line listeners. 83 3.96.96.96 and as I said we'll have the full rundown of what's in it tomorrow and we'll invite you then to tell us whether it was any good or not a couple of hours from now we'll have our budget 0818.96.96.96 and indeed if you want to tell us what you think should be in it 0833.96.96.96 now your newspapers this morning and your television news and just horrific 
absolutely horrific photographs. And the television news for the last 72 hours have been horrific. Um, and I speak, of course, of what's going on in Israel, in Gaza. Um, this morning, we got a file of photographs, documents, videos. Um, you ain't seen nothing. You ain't seen nothing. Going live to Tel Aviv next. 0818969696. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Fox96FM. Now, Shay Leon joins me from uh, Tel Aviv, which is about 40 miles from Gaza. I have a rudimentary knowledge of the geography, Shea, because I've been there a, a couple of times. Tell me a little bit about yourself. You're from Galway, but you have Israeli roots, correct? Yeah, well, I, I moved to, to Ireland about 25 years ago, which okay. was following a job proposal. And yes, I'm in Ireland. I just came here for a little holiday, which yeah. turned out uh, upside down, yeah. Sure. So, Let's. You're, so you're in Tel Aviv at the moment, um, and I know yeah. there has been activity there. There's activity pretty much everywhere. But start me at six o'clock mm. on Saturday morning. What happened? Um, six o'clock. Well, to me, it started at seven thirty when okay. I, I heard an alarm all of a sudden, and it's not not the sound that I'm used to. So um, I went here to the living room in the place where I'm staying, and there are a few people, and I asked them, what the hell is that? And they said, oh, well, you know, if it's uh, if there's nothing more in the next few minutes, you can go back to bed. And I didn't think much of it. Uh, I went back to bed, woke up three hours later, <laughs> and, and then I started getting uh, in information. And... So afterwards, I, I went to friends, and then the whole chaos started. You know, we were glued to the TV, and saw everything that was happening. And then there were alarms, and uh, we've heard uh, missiles nearby. Actually, the 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 place where I'm staying uh, at the night that I wasn't here. There, there's a bomb just about a hundred meters, hundred meters from here. You can actually see a whole building just, just rubbles. Oh. Um, yeah, and they said that that this building where I am now was was actually shaking as well. You know, so yeah, you're sleeping with your clothes on at the moment, Shay. Are you to keep your just in case you have to run? I, 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 yeah. Yeah, you yeah, know, I mean, just just in case I have to run this to a safer place, you know. Uh, I mean, hopefully, hopefully we're past that stage in Tel Aviv. But yeah. you know, the whole thing was was a surprise, and there's still a feeling of uncertainty in the air. You know, I was reading that a lot of places have safe rooms. What's a safe room like? Have you got one there? Yeah, well, I mean, by law, all all. all building since I don't know which year exactly but need a safe room that that that's basically a room that is designed um, enforced to to handle missiles what a way to live <laughs> what yeah. a way to live and and to be honest I mean most people are almost almost used to the missiles I mean when when 
they told me, oh, yeah, you know, yeah, we were used to the measles. That's even people in places like the roads, they're sort of used to the measles by now. Now, a lot of measles are intercepted. Um, so a lot of people say, yeah, yeah, we're used to the measles. That, that's no big deal, you know. Uh, but uh, it definitely was a big deal uh, yeah. uh, for me, you know, it, it was very, very scary. Now, some of the uh, uh, some of the videos and photographs mm-hmm. and articles that you sent us overnight, Shay, mm-hmm. are they're horrific. We haven't seen yeah. anything like this in the newspapers and on TV for the simple reason is you oh. couldn't you couldn't publish them. Yeah, like yeah. Talk to me about the music festival. This was the one that grabbed my attention at the weekend. What that grabbed my there? attention as well the what most. I mean, look. I, I, Everything was horrific, but that especially people went to a festival. It was just just a music festival. You could see the people that went there, like young people. It was sort of a hippie vibe. It was all about love and you know and music, and they were dancing. Five thousand people dancing. Then all of a sudden, they start seeing tons of of missiles, uh, and and then they were actually surrounded by people with machine guns who just started shooting at them from all directions. And a big part of the people that that died during the last days was people from this festival. Yeah. I'm sure some of them were also on, you know, on on psychedelics and stuff like that. And I thought to me that I'm just thinking, imagine (laughs) that that's like just imagine the feeling you're you're in such a you're in a your happiest place and all of a sudden i don't think you know even what's real and when when it's starting to happen and what's not i mean they were dancing to welcome the sunrise okay that's what i read in one of the newspapers at the Mm. weekend it was a special sunrise rave to watch the sun Mm. come up and then this happens there was one German girl, Shani Luke. Oh, she was that a the tattoo one, artist. That she was taken. And okay. The videos, uh, I can't even look at them. She. The, yeah, there is one video. Is that, yeah, when you see her in a jeep lying. They broke down, her legs. I won't go into it. I won't go into yeah. Oh my God, stop it. Yeah, <gasps> and then so you see her in the streets. Then you see her in the streets and people are spitting on her body there and it's. Yeah, who's doing this, Shay? Who are these people? Well, Hamas—that that's the ruling body in Gaza that was elected democratically, and is probably sponsored by Iran. Sponsored to do this? Sorry. Sponsored to do things like this? Yeah, yeah. I, 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 you know, I, I don't know what exactly motivates people like that. Uh, I, I don't think that we can get into that state of mind uh, and, and, and understand what's happening there and why people are doing that. I mean, I, you know, I mean, we can come up with like a million reasons and, and, and try to find logic, but I, I, I don't think I can. I don't think I can find logic in that. I, I cannot understand why somebody will have will want to do so much bad things, you know. 
Yes. And and you've seen and and I don't think they care for. I mean, at least the Hamas. Well, I mean, the, their leaders are probably in a five-star hotel in Qatar. You know, they're not in the front line. It's not Zelensky who puts a uniform and goes and. Uh, <laughs> they're probably in five-star hotel in in Qatar yeah. having a ball. They don't give a fuck about their people because if they gave a fuck about their people, they they knew that Israel now will not have a choice. Yeah. But with Gaza, and that's going to be fucking awful. And that as is well. going to be, and, and that is going to be, that is going to be easy. I, it's I already, it's already a fucking. I know disaster. you're, I know you're emotional, I mean, Shay. Just, just, just. Oh, oh, I am, I am, okay, I am emotional. Okay. And I am well, one thing, one thing that's different about this, and and as I said, I have a rudimentary knowledge of the area. I know that the Israeli defense forces have one of the best defense systems and one of the most prepared mm. defense systems. Um, <laughs> so, 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 so how did this happen? They, they we're being told at least, you know, and one thing I learned a long time ago, Shay, was read everything and believe what you want to believe. But we're being told that they were caught yeah. by surprise. That doesn't make sense given the preparedness over the years of the idea. Look, you you see you see look of course, there are conspiracy theories <laughs> uh, around that. But when I was watching TV, all you hear about is this. P- people are calling the TV station because they cannot get anyone from the security system. And they, they call they call the TV and like, what the fuck? Where's the army? And it's been hours and hours and hours. And people are like, where's the army? Where's the help? We're stuck here. People were like in the kibbutzim and they were surrounded by terrorists. Terrorists were burning their houses to, to, to make them go out so they can take them. Um, and the kibbutzes. And, and yeah, yeah. And, and, and people were, were calling the TV. Where, where's, where? I mean, that, that's been going like for 12 hours, sometimes even more. Uh, and the army just wasn't there. Yeah. Uh, Which I mean, is really unusual because like even at this like the understanding we have of Israel is that there are pretty much soldiers on alert twenty four seven, and that you can deploy yeah. in 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 hours, let alone minutes. It didn't happen. Yeah, it didn't happen. It didn't happen, and no one has a clue why. Obviously, I mean, look, the the, the current government is a bunch of yeah. Yeah, uh, you know, I mean, is is and and actually, they were even offered some some of the people in the coalition are uh, have a lot of military background, and they were saying, "Look, let's forget all our differences, uh, join forces together, and we'll help you now to get over the situation." And Daniel just no. Nah. <laughs> um. So. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, no Netanyahu's one government is, is is not is not. Um... Look, it's a bunch of religious fanatics. Yeah. Uh, and and Netanyahu, the only reason he's keeping this government is so so he won't go to jail. So he will just he just made a government with anyone who will agree yeah. to go with him. Uh, they will have criminal record. The, 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 yeah, it's not it's not the people that you would like to sit for for a beer with, you know. Yeah, like like we're here again, here from one source, and then you see can another source repeated that Hamas was planning this for for a year. Yeah, 
So they managed yeah, to keep this under clarity. the radar. For and it's a big, you, yeah, and that, that's, you know, I mean, how can you, I mean, they, they came with, with, they came through the air. How, so obviously they had a lot of practice. Yeah. You know. Like there is this, one of the things there's no way that, that no one knew, knew about it. There's just no way. Yeah, because the dome, I, and I, I, I've, this this dome yeah. that is there constantly as part of the defense yeah. system, that destroys yeah. loads of rockets and senses them. And destroy. Yeah. But like, they just, this, like you said, 10 hours, 12 hours before some soldiers yeah. got anywhere to defend. Yeah. Everyone is in shock because of that. No one, no one, no one can, can fathom how, how the hell can this thing happen? No. no one. Yeah, and people were kidnapped. I mean, grandmothers kidnapped. Children, yeah, children killed in front children, of their parents. Yeah, There's another yeah, video of a 12-year-old yeah. boy. My God Almighty, he's terrified. Yeah, they took him to, 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 to Gaza and he's surrounded by, by people. And yeah, you saw it that somebody's telling him, oh, dirty Jew, and he's a boy. Yeah. Yeah. It's not. It's not normal. It's no. Shay, this this is going on a long time. This uh, conflict yeah. is, a, is is going on a very yeah. very long time, and yeah. you know, to those of us looking at it from a distance, whose only uh, experience have ever been there, is visiting it and and realizing yeah. such a stunningly beautiful part of the world it is. It uh, makes it even more sad. But is there any? Yeah. Is there any prospect of anybody, she, sitting across a table from each other and sorting this out to stop well, the killing, look, stop the murder? Yeah, well, well, for start, Hamas, um, Hamas charter, you know, one of their targets is to destroy Israel. It's official. I mean, that, that's what they stand for. It's this is down, one of down. the things that, that yeah. you know, that, that it's it's not say. That's that it's find a solution to coexist, and look, in Israel, the I mean, that's what people want. Of course, some people are willing to give more than others to get it. Oh, but you know that that that's that's what people want. Oh, but what they want is to destroy Israel. So it's very difficult. And and actually, I don't know if you know that, but for years, Netanyahu have been giving Hamas money. He was thinking that if they will have, you know, if it is about money, he's giving them money. Yeah. So they will, and, and he thought that this will keep them in peace. Yeah. But yeah. obviously, obviously that that's, so she, I, I don't know. You're You're here in Ireland a long time. So you'll understand the basis for my next question, and I hope I choose my words carefully. Okay, okay. no, no, no I, I will. Cho- I will choose my words as carefully as I can. Given that you live, you will know, Shay, that uh, yeah. there is traditionally a lot of support in yeah. Ireland for the cause of Palestine. But, but, but this is different, is it? Well... This is different. <laughs> I mean, look, Israel was established after the Holocaust. You saw what happened when they, Israel doesn't have a country. Now, I'm, I'm totally against any violence. 
I don't like to see it. And obviously there were a lot, there was a lot of violence against the Arabs when Israel was established. And a lot of the people in Israel don't even learn at school, which really bugs me, you know. Uh, it's like in everywhere, you know, when you learn history, you learn about your side of the story. And that's maybe part of the problem. People don't really see the other side. They don't learn about the other side. Yes. They don't empathize, empathize with the other side. I, I don't know. Um, so this is different, but at the same time, the fact that Ireland is in peace, that's one of the few things that still gives me a bit of hope about Israel. Do you think it can be sorted? Do you think there's a solution somewhere? There has to be. There fucking has to be. I, 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 but I, I think it has to be an international solution. I don't think that it will just be solved with, with these two countries. Like what we hear we now from the government so over there is, we hear of this siege, there'll be no water, there'll be no food, there'll be no electricity. Yeah. Like, yeah. It is fair to look at that, Shay, and think that's just going to make things worse for people, for ordinary people. The, yeah, absolutely. It will make things much, 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 much worse. Much, much worse. So that's not a solution. Um, what Israel needs to do right now is to immobilize the Hamas, to destroy the Hamas completely. And how are you going to do that? It's a ground war. I, I you know, I mean, I, I truly feel for everyone in Gaza. I do. I do. I do. I mean, I, there's I two, what, two, two, like, or some two people, something million of them, two and a half million of them yeah, living in a tiny, yeah. tiny. I mean, I, I see, see, I see some people are like, well, fuck them. They did this. They, they chose them. It's their problem now. Let them pay the price. I, I don't see it. Look, I feel the pain. Yeah. But at the same time, what do you want to do? Israel has to protect itself and make sure that such a thing never happens again. And the only way to do it is destroy the Hamas. And how are you going to destroy the Hamas completely? Yes. Um, I mean, if you're going to go there inside, I mean, the whole, you know, that situation got much worse once Israel left Gaza mm-hmm. and let them. Israel even gave gave them weapons when they left Gaza so they can govern themselves. Yeah. Okay, I know. Uh, I read that. And too. as soon as they left, and as soon as they left, they they chose Hamas, and they knew what Hamas stands for. They chose Hamas democratically. Yeah. So now Israel is like, okay, what? Well, I mean, uh, to to enter to enter there again, and try to seize control means many people will die on both sides. I know it's terrible. Uh, I, I I mean I I I know obviously everyone in Israel knows of soldiers, because uh, and, and they know if we're going to go there, a lot are go- a lot more are going to die. So what what is the solution? So what they're doing now? is horrible and it's going to be bad and i wouldn't be surprised if some of this is going to be to prove a point as well as to destroy the hamas i it's very bad i i I don't know maybe 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 if there will be like big involvement from all the all the world international community not just talk but actually making a big big force that will go there but but try to try to talk with the hamas i don't think you can yeah. are you frightened I last, don't think last you can. are you frightened 
Am I frightened? A bit, yeah, of course. Uh, I I was more uh, when when I heard the alarms. Now still, I mean, yesterday there were rumors about people in Tel Aviv, uh, terrorists dressed as police and and military. You know, I I had plans to visit friends. I heard that. I thought, well, I better stay. Yeah, better stay at home. So th- there is fear, fear of the unknown. Um, I had a few flights back to Ireland. They were all cancelled. So. I have another one now, and I, I hope it will happen. Um, it's 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 not a, the you know the, the uncertainty is there. Now I hear that there's some stuff happening in the north as well. So the uncertainty is there. It's okay. it's terrible. It's, it's, a very, it's a very frightening time. It's a very frightening time. Thank you for joining me, Shay, from uh, Tel Aviv this morning. Stay safe is all that I can say to you. Stay safe. And thank you for speaking with me live from Tel Aviv. Shay's language has been a little colourful at times. Uh, we apologise for that, but as you can appreciate, it's a time of very high emotion. 1,500 people, 1,500 people have lost their lives since the early hours of Saturday morning. So you can imagine why a man might be a bit emotional and therefore use somewhat colourful language. So... And our thoughts particularly, I mentioned Shani Luke, that uh, German tattoo artist, she was doing tattoo and stuff at the music festival and then we know what happened to her. Also thinking of the family of Kim Damti, whose mom is from Port Leash. Kim is 22. Her mom is from Port Leash and she's both Irish and Israeli citizenship. She hasn't been seen. She went to that festival at the weekend. And she hasn't been seen since. Those people you've got to think about. 0818 96 96 96. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Post 96 FM. Actually, reminded there as I speak to Shay um, of a man I met, I had the privilege of meeting him. It'll be 25 years ago for January. Um, his name was Timor Goskell. He passed away in 2021. Uh, he died of COVID, actually. died in Beirut. He was a Turkish national. Um, but he, he was a man who effortlessly spoke half a dozen language and, languages and could effortlessly tra- translate each and every one of them. And his knowledge of that region, its history and its politics was just... It was phenomenal. And he, he was an advisor to UNIFIL, uh, history and politics. He, he was there for them. Whenever something arose that soldiers needed a, light, a steer on, Robert Fisk, the great Bob Fisk, once described him as the most powerful man in that region, in that anybody would take a call from Tim O'Goskill, no matter what side you were on, you would take a call from Tim O'Goskill at any hour of the day or night. And I'm... I had the privilege of meeting him and having coffee with him uh, 25 years ago for January. And I asked him a question. He, he wasn't doing interviews. So I asked him a question. I said, what advice do you give young soldiers and young military coming here for the first time? He said, I give them. He said, great question. He said, I give them all the same advice. He said, the day that you think you understand is the day to pack your bag and go home. I'll never forget that. I will never forget them. 0818 96 96 96. To something different. There's 360,000 cars on the roads at the moment that should have an NCT, but don't. 
the operator of the NCT has been fined now by the government and the Road Safety Authority because of this. There's nearly 56,000 cars that have failed and need to be retested. There's over 186,000 have one booked and are waiting. There's 5,000 on the priority list. Like those numbers were released at the weekend by the examiner. Dennis, no surprise to you though, I think. Good morning. Uh, good morning, PJ. You look well with your dicky bow and the, and the award the other day. Thank Many you. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank <laughs> and and this, uh, this, my complaint is small compared to what's going on in the world and sympathies to the Israeli nation Indeed. from everybody. But now, moving on to these idiots. Uh, I applied and I was one of those figures, 320,000 people, and I wanted to comply with the law. And then I was on to you and you said, why don't you go down the priority road? Right. Yes. And I was a little bit against it because if you put a system into place and you make it the law, it should work. Correct. So anyway, went down the priority law, uh, priority road, and I got a sitting there for last week. Now, I must say the staff over in Little Island, very pleasant, doing their job very professionally. So there's no criticism of the staff there. So anyway, the car goes in and, of course, it passed. There's only... 15,000 or something miles up, up, up and it. And when we came back out, the good wife said, uh, when do you have to go for the next one? So I look at this at the sort and it says January, three months from now. Wow. Okay. Oh, I forgot yes. about this. This happens, yeah. Because yeah. you were so, so long getting one. Yes, I was so long getting one because the system is, is, is so stupid. Now I'm being penalized that I have to go down this nonsense again of going on the list uh, I probably won't get it in January. This is never. This is a never-ending debacle. Is there any minister outside there who is listening to this program can get to grips with this road safety authority and the legislation that the Irish citizens deserve better? Uh, so now, uh, I, I have to go in three months. Is this a safety issue? No, it's not. The car has passed. No, the fellow said emissions were never better. Uh, the car has passed. But I have to now go into the system again to go back in three months, which I'm not going to get a date for. I have to go down the priority list. This is a waste of time and energy. Because I think well, I think the legislation says, Dennis, that the cert must date from the anniversary of the first registration of the car, not the date That's of correct. the actual test itself. So if the, if the car is registered for the first time in January you'll always have a cert expiring in January, regardless if you only get it in December. Correct. So now I was on to the NCT crowd yesterday to make a formal complaint. I've also been on to Minister Chambers regarding this, the way they say this is the legislation, this is the way to set up, right? Now, that all that should have been changed and when the system was found not to be working. We have 320,000 cars out on the road. That could be dangerous. And if it was a safety issue, the minister or somebody should come along yeah. and see what the problems are. Now, I'm going to... You would imagine, Dennis, it would be within the minister's remit. And I, I Look, he's not here to answer this question, but I, I would yes. think if it's in his remit to say, OK, look, we're going to change this so that now, no matter when you get your NCT, it is valid for 12 months from the date on the certificate. Now, wouldn't that make sense? Absolutely. Now, sense. I'm taking up, yeah, I'm taking up the place. I'm going to go in in three months in a car that will probably do about a thousand miles in that. And 
the guy is going to go through all the tests again and take up the place of somebody who really needs to do the test that's out in the road for 15 months without an NCT in the car. Yes. Now, this uh, this all smacks of the monopoly, which I got onto the Mister Minister and uh, Junior Minister Chambers, and he emailed me back and he said, "No, no, it's not a monopoly. On it, this was all under. I must get through all the legislation that he sent me if I get the time. This is all set up within the EU. It is absolutely stupid. Uh, it could be done." By main, by the main garages, like there was a guy looking at my car, and I just won't go into it. It is kind of a specialized vehicle, and there's no way in hell he knows uh, anything particular about that car. Now, other, you other would than know to if, take boxes and pass the test. Yeah. Yes. There's something else that that the examiner um, writes. Uh, was it yesterday or the day before? Is that they now are telling us, the NCT, according to the paper, are now telling us that the wait time is 20 days and that their aim is to have it down to 12 days. Now, if there's anybody listening to me, Dennis, who got an NCT booking within 20 days of the day they went online, I'd love to hear from them because I don't think that that, yes. that doesn't sound right to me. That's right. And why should you, when you go into your computer or your laptop or whatever thing, the system is, put in your car and you should uh, have a test within so many so many weeks. Now, they say a lot of people are not turning up for the test because do you know what happens? Your test is so far away, you forget about the day you should have gone in. Like, you should have a test within two weeks. The other thing is that these guys up in Dublin, the Road Safety Authority, they are now tricking around. They're in their ivory tower in Dublin. Have you seen the building for the Road Safety Authority up in Dublin? It's up by the Northside Shopping Centre up there. Can't say I know it, Dennis. I can't say. Yeah, but they're, they're inside there now, and they're tricking around with the speed limits, which are not going to alter one iota of accidents on the road, and all it's going to do is create more income for the crowd down at Tralee, the flash for cash, and the government. It's not going to alter anything. And they're sitting up inside there, and I'd love for your programme to have a look at this office and, and find out how many people are inside there and what are they getting paid. We find out there the other day that uh, the hospital system, which is on its knees, there's people getting nearly half a million, but the poor nurses are working, uh, I must watch my language now, working very hard. And uh, we, it's not that we have a Rolls Royce of a system yeah. to pay somebody over half a million a year. You know what we need for all these departments? We need a Michael O'Leary to was go in go- there. No I knew nonsense. you were going there. I knew you were going there. Yeah. <laughs> Mind you that. Yeah. A no-nonsense <laughs> guy, and you won't pull You won't pull the bullshit on that fellow. You'll get sacked. You know what I mean? And Do you know what? I have, a, I have an amount of personal time for Michael O'Leary, having met him yes. many times over the years. And, and you know, yes. but, but I somehow think that if he took over a government department, Dennis, it would start a yes. war. It would. Would you think so? Well, okay, but I'm trying to say that here's a no-nonsense guy. You go in, you do this job, or you get sacked. Now, I'm starting to look around now to see what size of a bottle have I here. You are very much against people up outside the doll, and they've been very vocal and everything. Now, this, this kind of way the citizens are being treated on this nonsense of the NCT should be scrapped by the minister. The minister should come in and grab this thing. Otherwise, it will lead to more protests. I, I nearly yeah, get on No, hold on, Dennis. Just to be sure here, I have absolutely no problem with anybody protesting outside the door. In fact, I, I, yeah. I'm almost certain they would be there today 
but it's the scenes yeah. from two weeks ago that we'd have no time for that. I'm sure you, well, and you I would you, be you, on you, the same page there. Yeah, we would. But like what I'm saying is uh, it kind of justifies these, this kind of action where the minister sits back, the citizens of Ireland have to deal with this nonsense that was brought in. Uh, it's an EU, it's a Spanish company, and they're not fulfilling the jobs that they're and working in, in. And in Spain and itself, after another call I took, and I must let you know, go now because the newsroom yes. will be on my house. But Sorry. Yeah. Uh, you're all right. Um, in Spain, yeah. where the same company does it, you're right, you can walk in, you can drive in now at 10 o'clock and you can have your car done this afternoon. Yes, and you know why? I was talking to a person who actually went in there and did that, and he says, the guy said, put on the lights, turn on, and he said he drove the car out himself. There was no messing. It was just that yep. there was nothing falling off the car, and it's not dangerous. In and out. But anyway, we're stuck with this nonsense. The minister's... Right. I'm not going to do anything about it. Dennis, I'm going to have to leave you go there, but we could chat all day, but I'm way, way over time. I do appreciate it, though. 20 days for an NCT. Did anybody get an NCT in 20 days? No? 0818 96 96 96. We'll chat again, Dennis. I have no doubt. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cork's 96 FM. The minds are live. Join the conversation. Call 0818 Yes, we're counting down to the budget. Anything that you'd particularly like to see in it. Not that it'll make the blind bit of difference to Minister McGrath or Minister Donoghue over the next couple of hours, but, you know, it might give us an idea of what our listeners would like to see in the budget. I did mention one of the things that's in the papers this morning is a €400 Euro lump sum payment for anybody who's on carer's allowance, disability allowance or fuel allowance, to which John in Cove responds, which is a take, an interesting take. John says, either give these lump sums to everyone or don't bother with them. Why should a certain living alone group or any other group get these lump sums? There's others also struggling. Either give it to everybody or give it to nobody. Because if you think about it, there's bound to be some prices go up. Because companies will now be saying people can afford it. It's interesting. Interesting. 0818 96 96 96. The number of the text to WhatsApp 083 396 96 96 and the email opinion at 96fm.ie. Still struggling to see that picture, but it's okay, guys. Antoinette, you put a picture up. I saw it last evening. You put a picture up of footpaths and there was very nearly a very nasty accident and you want attention paid to them. Good morning. Morning, PJ. How are you? I'm not too bad. Where did this happen? It was actually on Patrick Street, just up from Debenhams. Okay. Well, where Debenhams was. Yeah. Um, Katie was in there on Sunday with her friends. She was actually being asked. Um, they went bowling for one of the kids' birthdays or whatever. And they went uptown to, to get something to eat and whatever. And she was walking up and her crutch went into this hole. It's like... Um, you know, the, the small shores? Yes. With the tiny little 
laid on them, but there was no lid on it. Yeah, I have it in front of me now. They're like little, the, the little yeah. drain grills for, for um, yeah. excess water, yeah. Yeah, no, so her crutch went completely down into it, literally up to the handle of the thing, and it literally it bent her crutch. Yeah. I'm now, luckily, her friends now. were there to, to grab her. Yeah. Because if she went down, now, luckily, again, she actually went down on a good hip, not a bad one, <laughs> because... Yeah. Well, that might, might have been a blessing in disguise if she'd have went down the bad one, but that's besides the point. Mm. Um, but I said to her, because her friend rang me to say, look, she's okay, you know, she's not hurt. Um, and she sent me pictures of, of her crutches and stuff just to say, look, they're a bit bent. So unfortunately, I have to go in and get her because she needs her crutches because of, like, the balance. Yes, of course. Yes, of so, course. Just to describe um, for people who haven't seen the picture, I have it here in front of me now, I was able to open it. So it's in front of the old Debenhams where there's now a big history window for the Rotary Club, which, just on a by-the-by, is worth yeah, a look. Yeah. It's a very interesting window. But there's part of the pavement there where they need to drain water off before anything. And there's these shores, and they're quite deep. They run down into a, a, a large drain, and the top is off it. That's lethal. Yeah. It is lethal. Like, luckily, as I said, she was okay. But what, like, what if there's an elderly person walking down that road and they go down into that? Like, their walking sticks wouldn't be as sturdy now as as a set of crutches. Yeah. And what if they snapped? Yeah. I mean, what what's that person supposed to do? You know, like, she was lucky she had her friends with her. Imagine a person going over that with a small foot or someone in a high heel going over that. Yeah, or someone slipping into, into well, it. Well, as I said, like, Lita. her crutches were bent. Yeah, and there's... They it went were down that far and she... Yeah. So mm. I actually rang Cork County Council yesterday to put in uh, a report on it, just, you know, so it doesn't happen to anybody else. Now, they did log the call, and they did, like, she did, I could hear her typing in the background, like, the report and stuff to say... That this is where it was. Now I did say to her, like, if you want me to send in the picture so you know exactly where it is, but she said, no, it's okay. She said we we kind of have an idea where it is anyway. Yeah. Um, but like, that's not the only place. Everywhere we go with Katie, like if I'm walking alongside her, it's like, mind that shower, mind that yeah. step, mind that brick hanging out out of the ground. Like, it's absolutely Cork is absolutely lethal for anybody with a disability. Like. Yeah. The, before she was in there before and up um Grand Parade, like the tiles, they're not they're not brickwork, they're like a tile that's on the, the ground there. Mm. When they get wet, they're like ice. they're lethal as well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you well, know, like there's no consideration for people with disabilities, like, oh yeah, something's broken, I sure it'd be grand. That's that seems to be the attitude. Mm. But like, what are they going to wait for? Like, for somebody to be serious, seriously hurt before they actually do something? Okay. I wonder if I wonder you if know, that has I, actually been replaced. Like, well, it wasn't replaced yesterday because I was in there yesterday. Okay. And I went up past to check it, and it was still open. Like, it should only be a matter of a fella getting one of them out of the back of the van and putting it down. I'm popping it in, yeah. That should all. Um, as all I said, I will keep my eyes because. Like I said, she barely gets out as it is, Paige. And 
then she does go out and then something like this happens to her and I have to go and collect her. Like she, it just it gets her down so much. Of course it does. It knocks, knocks, knocks her confidence, something else. And knocking your confidence is bad enough, but she could have done herself a lot of harm. And Ned, thanks for that. And we are getting other messages now from people who know about these. It's it's like a drain on the path outside Debenhams there, the old Debenhams, where they have the picture window done up as a, a history story of the Rotary Club. And like I said, it's worth a read it's quite fascinating. But anyway, that's a by the way. But these these drains, the, the top missing out of it. Now, I'm very sure that the fellas going around in vans have these drain grills. I mean, if nothing else, go out to cork builders, providers, and they'll surely have one the right size that'll sit down into it. But according to Antoinette, it was still there yesterday with, the, with, with no lid on it. And a crutch, that her daughter's crutch, down into it, bent the crutch. It could do untold harm. So if anyone's watching Patrick Street, please go fix that. 0818969696. On a lighter note, Kate, you're back from the trip of a lifetime. Yes, we went away for four months in our camping van. Four months? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The end of May to uh, last last week. (laughs) What possessed you to take away in a camper van for four months? We just decided to go while we're able. While we're able. I think these people kind of go, well, oh, should we do that? Oh, we'll do this and we do that. And we do it now. Do it while you're able. Because my sister got very ill and she died very fast. And it makes your mind up to do things, you know what I mean? Was but it that recently that, that your sister passed away? Well, it, was, it was just, just no, I just decided to copy a day and say, it. And we go for it. Yeah. And the dog and all. The dog. <laughs> So, he's 15 next month oh. <laughs> <laughs> and he got his he got his waistline back he was swimming in the river in the sea and everything he's the same as anything else so where did you where did you go uh, we started from Roscoff and then we headed all over to the border or east and down through France and then down to the border of Italy and we heard it was roasting and they were dropping like flies in Italy so we went across then to the Pyrenees where it was a little bit cooler but it was still unreal you'd have to throw yourself in the door down like, and all the rivers on the way you know mm. oh, just incredible. is it your own van you had? yeah, yeah. Right. best thing ever because I tell you what, if you, when you go on other holidays, you're stuck in a place for a fortnight. If the weather is bad, you're in trouble straight away. Mm. If you have a mobile home, you can't move. And the mobile then costs you a fortune to leave it in the place for the winter. True. They charge a fortune for that. So we just decided we'll go for them, the camper. And it's been the best thing ever. On a, on a hot night, Kate. On a oh, hot no, night, lovely. wouldn't you cook inside in it? No, no, no. It's lovely because... You have all your vents open and you have your blinds, which are incredible. They're completely, you know, blackout. And you can actually, in the morning, if it's going to be a hot day, close all your blinds. And it's the coolest place in the world to go into when it's hot outside. Because they're insulated, you know? of course. No sun. Yeah, and there's no sun coming in there. It's mm. super. And uh, I advise for all women, if weather is warm, put your moisturiser and your deodorant into the fridge and it's lovely and cold. <laughs> <for on you. laughs> And did you share the driving or what's the story? No, no, no. I did all the cooking, all the cleaning and he did all the driving. And he was cycling as well every second day doing training. So he did. We did four and a half thousand kilometres and he actually beat that on the bike. over Get four months. away. So yeah. you drive and then drive park up and yeah. he'd go take the bike out then for a every run. Every second day he'd take the bike out for his training thing and I'd go with the hairy baby as I call him, the dog. And I'd take him off of then and I'd be roaming around different towns and you know, all people were was interesting. We'd never be nervous or anything because nobody could bother you, you know what I mean? It was super. 
Yeah. Everywhere was lovely. And the price of things, oh, for God's yeah. sake, PJ. Oh, well, if so you cheap. get off the beaten track at all, Kate, I, I imagine you probably did. If you get off the beaten track and off the, and off the tourist routes, you, you're, you'll, you'll live for half nothing. But we went, we went to Bilbao, right? We went to the Guggenheim Museum. Yes. Right? And we decided, we were hungry, so we decided we'd get um, two Americanos and uh, some kind of a sandwich. And they came out with this huge kibata bread filled with parma ham, beautiful cheese and a salad and everything. Seven euro for the two of us. Oh, yeah. So that's nothing. 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 Yeah. 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 And that's, that's in a big city. Yeah. If somebody's interested in buying a camper van, you both have to like it and also take, take one out and try it. You could even hire one or even for a weekend or whatever. See how you like it. Yeah. Is there a, is there a favourite place that you... Oh, um, well, oh God, so many places. So many places. There's a place down by the Pyrenees called Salas de Burn. Mm-hmm. And the, the campsite was incredible. It's run by a family and it wasn't dear or anything. But this, the town itself, do you know what it what was? It was that people were living there. You know the way enough that places are tourist towns. Yes. And that's it. And they're dead then for the winter. But people live in this place. It's magnificent. It's a thermal um, spa place as well. But, you know, in France, if, if, if you're given an appointment by the doctor, say if you're arthritis and he said, you go to the thermal, for um, so long, and that'll help it. It's free if you if you keep all your appointments. It's all free. Everything in France is free once you turn up for your appointments. But Christ. if you break the appointments, you can be charged of course. So if a doctor if a doctor recommends to you for your arthritis, for mm-hmm. example, go to a thermal spa, thermal spa for so many months and so many and write your prescription. You, yep, it's free. It is. <laughs> yeah, and also if you were very overweight and you were told to do things. You, your, all your things will be uh, free, but if you break it and don't turn up for the things, they charge you then. It's a very good system because yeah, it, it, you will, you will do it. Yeah. Would you prefer France, Spain, or Italy? I know you. I don't. I'm not keen on Spain. I think Spain is just overrun with tourists. I love Italy. Mm. I love the people in Italy. They're a whole. They're so you know they're just full of joy and life. They are really. The and French there's the food in certain well. places. <laughs> Yeah, and the French in certain areas can be very um, pompous and strict, you know what I mean? Mm. But in other areas, they're great. But the Italians are just a whole lot. I've been to Italy, and we went down in a train, travelled the whole way down to Napoli, and, oh, they're great. Oh, they're very funny. They're lovely people. Absolutely mm. lovely. It's yeah. my favourite out of the whole lot. Would but be, we oh, still love France. Yeah. Oh, and we had two days of rain out of 120. <laughs> Yeah, that's the thing. How much to park up the wagon for the night oh, then? Oh, very, very reasonable. There's, there's a thing here you can get called the camping car park. It's a big map of all the different areas and um, sites that you, you can get that from any tourist office. And it'll show all the places you can either go and park up with electricity or just park up just for the night nice. or go into the campsites. It's a fantastic map and it shows everything. I'll have it in front of me here now. And wow. you can get it from any tourist office and... Um, yeah, and the fellow we dealt with to get our camper uh, car was in Giddel, funnily enough, in Bonjour Campers. They were brilliant. Oh, you rented it, yeah? No, we bought it. You bought Oh, excuse we me. We had, we had our own one. We had an old one and we upgraded and you would, won't believe this now. We actually got the same price for it. Ten years after, we bought it. They never lose the value. A car loses the value as soon as it goes out of a garage. Camper vans don't. You can get the same money back on them. Crikey. Were you driving on the wrong side of the road? With oh, yeah, yeah, the usual. Of course, when Kevin came back, then he was going to open the bike. He had to think that he's on the other side now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and of course, it's all, yeah. So you, you actually bought, did, did you buy a, 
a left-hand drive one, like? Yeah. Brought it in from, um, yeah. We were used to that, you see. Um, we were used to that. And um, oh, they were so good to deal with. You know, you put your deposit down and then you come home. You, you have picked it out and then you have to send the other section, obviously, when it's when you're buying it. The money then. And TSB were brilliant. You see, Kevin retired and that was what he did with his money. I see. Yeah. That's the way to do it. But it's worth it because... You'll, you'll go again so, but you can't... Oh, we've been going for years. We've been going for years, but this was the longest. We, we, when we told somebody we were going for four months, four months, what are you going? Nobody could believe somebody thought I was in the hospital then, and I was ill, because <laughs> mm. I wasn't around, you know? Yeah, yes. Oh, it's wonderful. You'll do it Fantastic. again? We will we'll do another one. We might probably, Italy you now, I'd say the next time, and go wandering there too. So you, how, how would you drive, sorry, to Italy, you'd, drive, you'd go car across Cuff? We go Cork Roscoff and probably because Italy's down so far, we go down the motorway. Yeah. And get to Italy. And then, of course, just wander around there for a couple of months. Yeah. But it's lovely. There's no agenda. There's no plan. We just yeah. go and you find these places. And, oh, it's just wonderful. It's the, yeah. When you're off the beaten track, you'd never know what you find. That's great. Oh, yeah. It's I, great. Yeah. Oh, I'd, I'd recommend it to anyone. You know, you, you're here and you have two or three thousand to keep your mobile on the site. But there's very. Do you know what they need here, PJ? They need camper car sites more of them because 30 or 40 are down in Cove there all the time you know mm. it's on funny the, I, I was taking calls here actually a week a few a couple of weeks ago Kate from people who were upset with the way that the camper vans were parking say down in Garrettstown yeah yeah we need proper say, parking we need bays proper parking for them yep and also if somebody wants to plug into electric let them, you know, they, you can, they're very simple to put in. PJ, if you go to Cove and have a look over, you know, you just, um, where they're parked and you'd see where the, the sluicing out is and the electric and the, you know, they're all along there behind the camper cars and it's perfect. Mm. They just need to do proper ones here. I mean, mm-hmm. every other country has a PJ and it's a huge industry and it brings a fortune of money into villages and towns. I'd say it does. And oh, again, I have more PJ. people asking me here, you had your air conditioning in it because Europe no. was hot. Like, oh, I know, it was hot, but listen, we spent half our time inside in the river and seas. <laughs> <laughs> we'd, we'd go into the door door and just throw ourselves in and beautiful. the dog and everything. And, yeah, and the, so the, the dog, how did you manage to get the dog there? I mean, like... Oh, he, he's, a, he's a passport and everything, PJ. For years. You're well set up, so... <laughs> yep. <laughs> and it, it's so funny, when I was going to the vet first, you know, at the end of the vet said to me, Catherine, you'd have to have him looking at the camera... I said, Jerry, do you for me? What are you on about? They have to, because they need to get their markings. You know, if the dog was turned in and he hadn't his markings. You're serious here. The dog actually has a passport with a picture in it. Oh, full, full passport. Oh, yeah. He has a cheers. <laughs> this is the bit. And it's the funniest thing I ever heard. And it has to be stamped. Oh, it has to be stamped. He won't be allowed in his way. Animals are actually stricter than humans. Bringing, um, and bringing them home, bringing them in. Oh, yeah. And they have to go to the vet before they come back. And, and who issues and, the passport, Kate? Who issues? Who, how do you mean? Who issues? Who issues a dog's passport? Oh, I presume it's the vet. Oh, do you know something? I must check the front because I have a jeers. Oh, yeah, he's a photograph and everything, and his name and the whole lot. <laughs> it's hard enough to get a child's passport, like. Yeah, I, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll take a photo and I'll get a set. Oh, because, do oh, it's, do! It's so, I'd love and to see. He's there looking, and he's there looking into the camera. And oh, yeah, the English are having terrible trouble, Peter. Before you go, yeah, and um, they told us that. They can't, you know, we, we nipped into Spain, you yeah. know, to see the Guggenheim Museum. They can't do that. They have to go in and get a visa. 
if mm-hmm. they have a dog and they go out of the country for a while and come back in again, they have to renew the actual um, thing for the dog for another 250 euro on top of the 250 mm-hmm. they paid already. They're getting caught for everything over. Mm-hmm. And you know, you, you do feel, uh, you, you, you feel a small, a small bit smug, wouldn't you, Kate, going, well, that's what you voted for. Oh, yeah, that's what they vote. Oh, but everybody we met that was English is sorry that they're not in the EU. There was nobody that agreed with it. Yeah. Not one. Not one British person. Funny, isn't no. it? Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. Kate, I'll, I'll leave you there. I, no I, I send me in a picture of that. I can't wait. I've right. never heard of there such a thing. Now. Thanks a lot. Yep. Okay, take care. Cheers. Bye. And glad you enjoyed it. Four months they were away camper vanning around Europe. A little retirement present for themselves. How cool is that? I, I, where, how did I get to be today years old and not hear of a dog's passport with the dog's picture in it? Never heard of such a thing. Kate's going to send it in. 0896-96-96-96-96-96-96-96-96-96-96-96-96-96-96-96-96-96-96-96-96-96-96-96-96-96-96-96-96-96-96-96-96-96-96-96-96-96-96-96-96-96-96-96-96-96-96-96-96-96
Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Support and it, it really is, we are facing such a crisis in childcare that um, we need alternative solutions. And we, if you think about how we would have grown up in our evolutionary past, thinking of tribal humans, we would have had four, five, six adults taking yeah. care of children. Um, and that just isn't the case for a lot of families anymore. We've moved to this nuclear family that just isn't working. And we can see it in the mental health and the well-being of parents and families, yeah. the burnout for a lot of parents having to work, both parents having to work just to afford a mortgage. Um, and it's just creating a lot of stress within the family unit. And then if you look at actual childcare, the cost of it, like on average in Cork City alone, it's 204 euro a week. So you're talking over 9,000 in a year going towards childcare. So that's that's a huge proportion of a family's income. Uh, and not every family is in a position to afford that. And some parents opt not to work because it doesn't make sense for them. Um, and then others choose not to as well because they want to spend some time with their, their children. But we know we don't have enough um, childcare comparable to some of the European countries. So Sweden, for example, puts in 1.6% of its GDP into early childcare education and and care um whereas ireland we're in around 0.3 percent so it's very small and then we look at well you know for me i come from wexford i live in la hinch and for my friend in cork she's similarly uh from dublin lives in cork and do, we don't have family around us you know sisters and brothers and parents who can take our children at the drop of a hat mm-hmm. so we needed to look for ways that we could create that village around us and I'm fortunate that I've I've met and instigated this with two wonderful um, friends here in that became my friends through this process um, in La Hinch in around La Hinch and um, basically we swap um, on a weekly basis. Say I would take both of their two daughters who straddle mine in terms of I have twins that are five and they have one child each that's younger and one child each that's older mm-hmm. and they're just a lovely age range and. Um, they really get on so well in terms of just play and social emotional uh, engagement, learning to share their toys on a regular basis. Just the benefits for them is incredible. And, and is it like a co-op, Sue? It is a little bit, yeah. It's essentially a co-op. Yeah, cooperative. Um, there's no cost to it. The only thing you're giving is your time, your love and your attention. Oh, so you don't um, pay the people for mine? You sure. don't pay. No, no, you don't pay anything. Whereas if I wanted to go for a run or a surf and I had to pay for a babysitter um, or if I needed to do some work, I'd have to pay a childminder and it would cost me for a babysitter a ten or an hour. And, you know, suddenly those things where you're looking after yourself, they fall away because... It doesn't make sense to have to pay a babysitter or you don't get to do things um, at the same time with your, your partner or your husband because you're tag teaming. Whereas this simple um, this simple idea has meant that myself and my husband have gotten to surf together. I've gotten to do extra bits of, of work. I work for myself. Um, and so have my the girls that I swap with. They've also had a chance to, to keep work going, particularly over the summer when there is no preschool that the girls were going to um, at the time. So we were all able to 
we just got a couple of extra days where we had time for ourselves to use in mm. whatever way we wanted. Um, and it's, yeah. it's, there's a website which I had a look at and then you're trying to start up this movement here in Cork City with suitably interested people. You have a session coming up on October 21st, which is next week. Yeah, so October 21st, we're going to launch it in Cork and hope to, to bring like-minded people who are interested in this concept um, together. And we have a website called, called careshare.org. So you can sign up for the meetup, um, which will be in Cork City Library, or you can sign up to register for, you know, CareShared itself. And um, what we're hoping to do is to really engage people in the concept and encourage them to connect with other families that are from similar areas um, because that works quite well with similar age children and and then find um, those connections uh, that can re- be really supportive uh, in creating that family support that is necessary for, for good well-being. A lot of parents find parenting very lonely and very stressful. Mm-hmm. And it is just wonderful to to know that you can um, have people around you. Like we've grown up on a, a diet, unfortunately, of capitalism and individualism where we're expected to somehow be able to do it all. But the task of raising children is enormous and we need a village and we can see it in the fallout um, yeah. in ter- terms of people's well-being and mental health. So, the idea the idea uh, is fantastic, Sue, but I'm just going to throw one little concern out here on the table. Course. And I'm a father myself. Look, there'll be 20, there'll be 26 tomorrow. So, you know, but, uh, but like when they were little, uh, when they were yeah. small, do you know, it's very few people that you will trust with the welfare of a child. And we live in a very dangerous world. So how do you safeguard against what we might call dodgy individuals? So in a lot of ways, it's a little bit like the same process you would bring a babysitter or a childminder through if you were meeting with them and and planning to engage in their services and pay for them. You'd, you'd meet them, you'd get a sense of who they were. And in this case, you'd have a few play dates. So you'd get a sense of what that family are like, how your children get on before you'd ever um, leave your children with them. So not unlike how you would vet um, babysitters and, and childminders anyway, you'd meet with them and you'd get a sense of, do we actually click? Do we get on? Do we have similar parenting values? And then we, we encourage people to create a family charter where you identify the needs of your children and your family. So, for, for example, we're not big into sugar in our family. So my the girls that I swap with, they committed to not giving my children sugar. For others, um, they have dietary issues or need a little bit of extra care around certain things. So we just make sure that they're all out on the table and everybody's really aware of them. Um, but obviously with, an, with a, a concept like this, we can't really take liability for the behavior of the people that... Um, join the site so it has to be a case of you do your own kind of vetting or, or I was just going to I was just going sure. to say like like in order to work professionally at any level of childcare or involving children these days so one needs to be guarded vetted so yeah. it, would it be considered okay for me for example to have some to ask the person, can we get you guard a better bit? It, it, like in a world where we have to be so careful. 100% and we do. We, we want to make sure the children are safe. And like that is obviously the utmost concern for anybody taking care of children. Um, we would like to down the line have the option of 
being able to provide people with guard vetting. But if you look at sites like uh, Mind Me, that you know essentially is similar to this in, but it's about connecting with babysitters that you pay for or child minders that you pay for. They provide guard vetting as an option. They don't do it for every person that signs sure. up to the site. And in a similar vein, um, I think in some ways we've become very risk averse and which is actually becoming a big problem in creating connection within community. We're afraid to reach out and, and to ask and, and that help seeking behavior that is so needed in terms of people's well-being and mental health has fallen away for fear that we might step on somebody's toes or, you know, do something wrong or say something wrong. We've become a very, um, very afraid of litig- litigious nature or, or so we, we obviously need to be very careful mm. around um, the people that get involved. And that's why we would encourage people to do their own checks. Okay, okay. No, I, I, I didn't want to I didn't want to bring a negative into it, but it's just my oh, no, my, my own I concerns as a parent. Yeah. I, you know, you, you need to be, you, you can't be, and it's true what they say, you can't be too careful. Like, Yeah, you can't be too careful. And like, obviously you would hate for anything to happen. But if you, if you do set up those parameters with a parent, where if you felt like it's, it's, it doesn't feel right to you. You just trust your gut and you don't gotcha. follow through on it. Gotcha. Um, just like you would with a babysitter. Like I'm sure in the time that you've had your children, you've had babysitters and some of them have been great. And some of them you're like, well, I probably wouldn't hire them again. Not from any badness, but just maybe they didn't interact as well. Or mm-hmm. you got a sense from them. And and we we really need to move into trusting our own guts and our own body around what's right for our family. Um, and no amount of guard of vetting is going to protect you from that. That's true. Uh, so it really does come down to how do you build trust? And what we're trying to do is fast track that trust building that happens by creating a few, you know, you connect with a family, you you have a few play dates and maybe you connect with two or three families, you have a few play dates and you build up that sense of trust okay. and understanding connection. Okay. And um, out of that, wonderful things can potentially happen for yourself as a parent, having a... Yeah. You, you know, can make a, lifelong uh, friends, I imagine. I imagine you have, for example, there who you are in the Yeah, great friends. And like, when I think about my daughters, like I grew up in a big family, there's seven of us. Um, like we've two kids, we're not going to have any more. But I love the fact that for them, they'll have these buddies and maybe maybe throughout their lives, maybe maybe not, who knows, but they'll have these buddies that they're growing up with, that they have regular play dates with. They're all in different schools, so they don't see each other in schools. Um and they just connect and have this different relationships. Okay. And then they're also getting exposed to different styles of parenting, which I think is really healthy. Okay. So it's all the, the Cork get-together, the Cork meetup, is 21st of October, half 10, at the Cork City Library, where people can find out more about Care Shared. Dr. Sue Redmond, thank you very much. Thanks so much, PJ. It's a huge idea. And it could catch on. It could catch on. I mean, when you consider the statistic that almost one child in three under the age of 15 is in some form of childcare now, and it's expensive. Careshared.org, if you want to look it up, and Cork City Library on October 21st, if you want to find out more. Some of your thoughts coming in over the last hour or so with regard to what might or might not or should or should not be in the budget. After 11, I will go back over what we know for sure or fairly sure is coming and then I'll get into some of your suggestions which are actually very interesting um, Some you, I love the way when we throw this out every year to our listeners they have a take on it that you might not have thought of 
that's what a conversation is about. 0818 96 96 96. On, I, as I said, I was today years old when I discovered that dogs actually had passports with pictures in them. James says, you also need a passport for a cat. We had to get one when we moved to Germany with our cat in 2011, says James, who I presume is contacting us from Germany. Thank you, James. 0818969696 on NCT. And Dennis has called. That man is right. I was late getting my NCT done last year, six months late. Got it in March. Should have got it done again in September. I have an appointment for November. So I got two NCTs done in one year, in March and November. Yeah, yeah. If the NCT was issued from the date of the test and you had been waiting around for seven months for the test, it would mean you're driving around for seven months with no NCT and therefore no insurance, says Joe in Carrigaline. Good point, Joe. Not too sure about the NCT and the insurance. This came up during COVID. If your NCT wasn't done, was your insurance valid? That's Yeah, it's a grey area. But grey areas, that's what legislators are for. That's what we pay these people large pocketfuls of cash to fix. So that's what you pay your legislator for, to legislate, to sort these things out. But uh, but thank you for that. Hi, PJ. My son went online last Wednesday, got an NCT for the Friday in McCroom. Now that's a good one. 0818 96 96 96. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cork's 96 FM. Win a pair of Apple AirPods with Cork's 96 FM. Just take our 10-minute music survey and you're in the draw. Tell us the tunes you'd listen to on repeat and what songs we should delete. Win your very own Apple AirPods. Give it a go right now. Find the link on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Or c96fm.ie. One thing that comes up on this programme from time to time is a conversation that we'd no idea people wanted to have. That's kind of why John Fitzgibbon got in touch with us. John, you grew up with deaf parents. Your, your, your dad no longer with us, but your mum is, is still with us. Both your parents are deaf so therefore, sign language, John, would be your first language, right? Yes, it is indeed, Peter. Good morning, sir. It is indeed, yes. Sign language would be my first, um, my first uh, language. Your yeah. dad taught it to you as a baby. As, as, a, as a young child, um, sign language is my first language before I ever said a word. So yes, that would be, that'd be correct. What was it like growing up? What can you remember? Jeez, uh, I, I can remember... Right, I can remember this, and it, it stopped pretty young. I remember this society in my younger days, from under the ages of the under eight, under eight. I would have been my brother Thomas, maybe a bit older than me, my younger brother Morris, younger. But there used to be deaf societies, which we was going in Limerick in the deaf school, and there would be Cork Deaf Society, which mm. is on McCorton Street. That's right. There used to be a great uh, community of deaf, twenty-five to thirty years ago, but that's completely gone now. Since did you go to a regular school, John? You did? I did, yes, yeah. yeah. And, yeah. And, and so did all your siblings? Yeah, yeah. So you would be your parents' interpreter with the outside world? Oh, yes. I always have been. Mm. I always have been, yeah. You brought her to the doctor, for example, there? Just now, yeah. I've been in the hospital all last week when I was running out. So talk to me a little bit about that, like bringing ma'am to hospital or bringing ma'am to the doctor. 
Jesus, I tell you, thank God my mother's kind of a good, healthy woman, but in the last couple of years, she's, she's having just some issues with the legs and that. Like, sure. Again, my mother's eight years of age, you know, but it's, I don't mind doing it for my mother, JP. I love my mother, of course, I'm going to do it before I go to the end of the earth for her. But the thing is, how do I explain it? If I wasn't here to help my mother, there was no one here to help her. Like, how many other deaf people is in the countryside? I go for youths, the old people. I'm not just thinking of old people. I'm thinking of the youth as well. You know, what it, what gets to me is they have no voice. There needs to be more done from the government for the deaf society. Yeah. I see it. A blind man would see it. I'm not trying to say it in a bad way. But I there's understand. no help whatsoever. And So, so if you're me, not there when your mum has to go to hospital or go to a doctor, like... Big issues, didn't you? She like can't her. hear it. She has no hearing, correct? No, no. So voice to me, John, what it is your parents miss out on because of a lack of interpreters? What do they miss out on? I think it's not even even the lack of interpreters. It's, it's besides, the, besides the lack of interpreters, it's the community of the deaf people as well. How would I say this, Joe? It's not just my mother. Just, I'm on about for the further, for further deaf society of the country, really. I'm talking about, like, that there should be more there for them. You know, there's, there's like... Uh, like, what does she miss out on? Your she, she, well, um, look, you know, with the phone that my mother can FaceTime, right? Because my mother can FaceTime a lot. That's a great thing that's probably come into the world, right? And I said this before, only for FaceTime with deaf people, a lot of people have been lost through COVID-19. You know, and that's oh, because she can go on FaceTime and have a conversation in sign language. With, I see. Yeah, with, 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 and that's the way I talk to a lot of deaf people as well. I, I talk to a text message or by FaceTime. Right. Yeah? So it, it's quite ideal. I've interpreted for people inside and doctors through the phone. But sometimes they don't like that. The older generation don't like that because they're not with... They'd rather someone in person they're with them. Do you know, I don't know how to say it. The technology is a no, bit too okay. far ahead. Yeah. The technology be too far ahead for them in yeah. saying to interpret it for my mother now. You'd have to be alongside her. Do you, now, know? You, you say that you're not a professional interpreter. Could you no. become one? I, I suppose I probably could, right? I probably could. I could go down that line of going to college and doing all this. But, like... How do I say this, Jellick? Because um, it sounds, this might sound like a stupid thing to say, but it sounds like it'd be fierce easy for you, seeing as you've been... It, it would be. Like, I, look, man, I, I taught it to people already. I mm. taught a few people how to do sign language, you know what I mean? I've taught people how to do the alphabets and everything. I've taught people how to do words. I've taught doctors inside in the hospital to say, how are you to patients? Mm. I always do it when I leave. Simple three, 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 three movements with your hands is what all it is to say, how are you? And I've said that to nurses, and if they go fine with their finger like this, and if they go up with their thumbs down, that means they're bad. Mm. None of them people are going to pick up what I say to them. Like, I'd like, this is where to put it, Jeff. Jeffy, I said this before. I'm not making doctors, I'm not saying anything. Anyway, I respect them people, I respect everyone, right? But the thing is about it, when they go to college, and I've said this to doctors before, if they took out one hour every day inside in college for their years of training, they'd be fluent in sign language at the end of it, they'd be inside in a hospital. Why can't they be interpreters inside in hospitals? Why can't they be there for the deaf Irish people of this country and not being racist again? I go to hospitals, I see interpreters for foreigners inside, they're like, they're in there in, in minutes when deaf people have to wait months. That's my issue. You know, it's plain and simple. Like if I your mum had to go and see a consultant now, for example. Yeah, no one would have to help running me. Right. And, and sometimes she might need to talk about very, very private things with a doctor. Exactly. And I'm her son and it's like not the right thing. So we're in, we're in budget week now and the budget is being oh, announced yeah. this week. Mm. What, what would you like to hear in the budget? Well, you see the deaf community won't come into the budget. Because deaf don't class as disability in this country either. They get nothing. They just tax the government to take the money off and throw them to the side because there's no voice. 
That's what it is. Think you're right, can all them people about there care about them deaf people? They do not indeed. They only want their money, man. They don't, they don't care about the Irish society. There's no equality in this country, boy. That's easy for you just to see, like. And it's for the deaf people. I say that because I see what goes on with them. I'm a realist. What you hear from me is what I see. Yeah, and, and you, you know? feel that, uh, having yeah, grown up with it, you feel that life no, isn't fair for a person who's deaf. I'm saying it's not fair. My life is quite happy. My, my mother's happy all I'm here. But Antoine says, there's no help there from My mother's lucky to have us here. My brothers, not just me, my brothers, right? Because right. we can help her. But what Antoine says, there's lots of deaf people out in this country that don't have that. You know? So what services should there's there none. be? Or what should there be? There should be more interpreters. There should be inside in the hospital, like I said. Every every hospital in the country, of this country now in the 21st century, boy, should have an interpreter. How come a person coming from another country here gets things that they can have an interpreter straight away, but a deaf person can't? And I said again now, JP, I'm not a racist man, boy. But I, I like, it's, it's, it's very two-sided, this country, boy. You know, very two-sided. Equality is what I'm looking for. You don't treat everyone equally, boy. They're mm. not even thought of, like, so... The government above, they don't care about them people. They don't care about them, man. What's wrong with them, like? You know, that's what's the problem. Should the whole country knows it, boy. You have a lot to say, John, and thank you very much for saying it. You're a gentleman. Thank you for taking this call. I really appreciate it. Any time. Strong call. Thanks, John. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Quartz 96 FM. The minds are live. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Coach 96FM. Coming up, the weirdest reason you've ever heard why somebody was refused an opportunity to sit there driving test. I mean, you've never heard anything as weird as this, okay? That's coming up. We will look at what we know about the budget and some of what you think should be in it. Um, you've been giving us some very interesting suggestions during the course of the morning. But Harborview Road in Knocknahini, Sandra, when did the work start? Was it last evening, yeah? Morning to you. Hi, hi, Mar- uh, good morning, PJ. Um, well, literally, they just showed up last night around 8-ish and um, started digging in, in in actually in an area that's already have been dug up. Right. I'm looking at pictures here on the boys and girls in Naka, and mm-hmm. the the floodlights were up. And what are they doing? <laughs> no, I don't know. I pres- I presume it's something to do with the the waterworks, because like I said, it was dug up before. Um, and someone I don't know. It was a message that my son came in there and said like. Um, they were talking to one of the workmen and they said they had a permit there for the next two nights. Right. From and 8 until 6 in the morning, which is ridiculous. That's right in the middle of a residential area. Right, yeah, right up in a built-up residential area. Now, I, I live it? in Maryborough Hill and on Sunday morning, some fella started breaking ground at around 10 to 8 and I wasn't a happy bunny, but I can't, I had, at least I had a night's sleep. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine... Um, what it must be like to be there. What was it like at midnight last night, say? Oh, it was like being in, up up in Cork Airport, really, with all the floodlights, the noise, the coming goings of the diggers, the beeping, and um, everything, really. Like, it was just... 
one disruption after another, um, jackhammer was going at one mm. stage there. Now, that was earlier in the night, but there was still digging, digging, I'd say it was like six foot hole. Right. Something like that uh, at the, between the junction there of Harborview Road and Baker's Road. I know it well. I know it well. Yeah. A busy junction at the best uh, of times. So yeah, you, they kind of have to do it at a quiet time, I suppose. Well, look, I don't know what a quiet time is like, but a quiet time <laughs> is when people are trying to sleep. They have kids for school in the morning. They have some people have to get up at six, five or six in the morning to get to work. True. Um, and then you have, are you, personally, bit common sense would be after nine when the schools are all in and you can walk until seven or eight then that evening. But people are just coming home anyway and they don't care. Makes a bit of sense. Makes a you bit know, of sense. It makes a lot of sense. Like, uh, but you know, she's sense has gone out the window, like you said before. Hold on there, Sandra. Now, it, it, it must be something kind of urgent or important if they're going to work through the night, two nights running, you would think. Say there, Sandra. D. Hello. You, you had a bird's eye view. You're very near it. Right straight across. I'm only stone throw away from it. What are they doing, do you know? I'm telling you now, they dug up the road there going back around two months ago. Right. And they cordoned off all of Harborview Road. Mm-hmm. And now, out of nowhere last night, no information to the neighbours, no nothing. It started up again and they were at it until six o'clock this morning. There's a lot of elderly people living on Baker's Road. Yeah. Which I said you can get an hour's sleep. There's a lot of young children in the flat on Baker's Road, I say, which couldn't even go to school this morning. Yeah. It's a holy disgrace. They're digging it up. I don't know what they dug it up two months ago for, because they're actually after digging up the same section again. Yeah. Uh, and I actually have a nephew living in the corner house on Baker's Road, and they sent me on the video last night, and the whole bedroom was vibrating. Right. With the Congo hammers, oh my God, it was unbelievable. And they had lights, floodlights on, and they were drilling right through the night? A, a big floodlight. I was standing outside my door because I smoked on the outside. And it lit up the whole of Baker's Road. And they were making more noise than when they were talking. Mm-hmm. Because all they were doing were roaring and shouting. Then they were urinating against the park gate. Yeah, there was about 15 of them there. Right. It was a holy disgrace. They'd no portaloo, no? No. No, okay. I suppose they have to go somewhere, but at the same time, it's not nice to see. So, Sandra, what time would you both reckon it stopped, or did it stop at all? Well, my well, husband was up this morning anyway, because he had to get out early, and he was up at seven, and they were just leaving then. Okay, okay. Well, I didn't go to bed until half past four, and they were still at it. Right, and still, still full volume D at half four, like. Well, they were no day where they were lifting the earth up and putting it into the truck. Okay. That's okay. what they were doing this morning, but they were, as I said, they were making more noise now yeah. than anything else. But it's a holy disgrace, and we're supposed to have it for the next two nights again. Yeah, the permit is. I think Sandra, were you saying the permit is for t- last night and tonight? Yeah. And no confirmation. No one, no one in the area was was given this. Yeah, and, uh, and like, there's, there's, I mean, I looked at. Okay, the, the two of you are on at the same time. It's a possibility that you could both have been out at the same time, but no one came to the door. No one put down. No, no. No, no I was no, at home all day. On the, um, the website there are the 
the boys and girls of Nakahini. Yes. And there was a good few on that last night complaining about the noise and complaining that there was no one in the area got confirmation. Yeah, I'm just actually reading here from the boys and girls in Naka where they put up the pictures and a lot of people say no, no, inf- no, no, information, no information, no consultation. So, so basically they don't really care about the people in the area. And that's where they're steamrolling off the people people's rights that that's how I feel that we don't Did don't you ring any of your local councillors last night to try and find out what was going on? When Nick Nugent did come on yeah. somebody got on to him and he got on to the, the crowd that they were working for and they did tell him that they couldn't do anything because they had a permit Yeah Oh, I get, I get, I have a permit, like, but it's, it must be something. All I'm thinking about, I think, I think I'll be talking to Nick there or Mick there in just a second. It must be something relatively urgent if they need to go at it through the night, a couple of nights running. How could it be urgent when you only done it two months ago and they're going back at the same thing again? This is true. Let's see. Let's see. Uh, It's going around in a circle again. As I said, the people in the flats on Baker's Road. They're actually eight alive at the moment with rodents and there's not been done about it. Okay. We're all just digging going on again. They're going to be infested. That's true too. Ladies, I'll let you there for a second, all right? Just stay there with me and uh, Mick Nugent is actually here. Mick, my thoughts were would be that if they're going to go through the night, two nights back to back, it's got to be something urgent. What is it? Good morning. Yeah, good morning, PJ. And look, I yeah, um, just coming over to see you last night so it came up um, on my way home and I was... I suppose um, someone contacted me on on Facebook. So I was actually talking to the guys um, last night, and they were saying, "Look, because the junction is so busy there, um, they feel it's preferable to do it overnight, and they're working on that basis. And that it's a two to three nights." Um, and what are job. they doing? Um, as you know, PJ, as we've discussed uh, previously, there's, there's works ongoing Harvey Road in terms of water um, infrastructure. So what this works is doing is tying in that new... I was wondering myself, it was tying in that new pipe work into the mains. Right. And they had to wait, um, MMD, the contractor and the council, had to wait for Irish Water to certify that the works on Harvey Road, I suppose, was fit for purpose. And then and give the go-ahead to tie into the mains then. So basically, that water infrastructure then will be going live um, in the next week, you know. Um, So the the, the ladies were saying to me, Dee and Sandra, who are both there, they were saying to me that that this road was only dug up again a couple of weeks ago. So that was the first bit of it, was it, Mick? It was. That was the first phase of it. That junction was closed off. um, That junction was closed off. So. It was a bit unexpected, I think, last night when I was up there, and as, as the ladies are saying there, the light it is very bright there, and it's not far from ideal to be working there um, overnight. So I was talking to someone in the council this morning, and they said, look, it's part of the overall project. But it is a point, AJ, like we didn't, you know, we didn't know about it. Um, we didn't get a heads up on those works, and I did make the point this morning that residents at least should have been told yes. about it, you know. Yeah, because I mean, as I said, I confirmed with them both. There was there was no one around asking questions. There was no one around knocking on doors to know, you know, or at least not so much looking for permission because it has to be done. But just giving people the heads up, it could be a bit rough for a night or two. There was no one around doing that. And I'm sure no, you'd, no, you can bring. Happens, I'm sure yeah. you can bring that up at council and, and make sure that, like that, sh- in fairness, that shouldn't happen. No, it shouldn't happen because people are being, you know, being very patient and people are frustrated. With significant road closures on um, Harvey Road due to finish in the middle of next month. 
Stephen McCarthy Road, similar lease closed off at the moment. A lot of heavy traffic at the moment, so people are generally frustrated anyway, PJ. So it was, it was a surprise to see that walk last night, you know, yeah. and people will have it over the next um, couple of nights. But but we, we, we would hope that it gets done and gets finished on yeah. time and get out of there. Make one last thing. Did I see... God, I, I felt it felt like being back in my time down in council. Um, a meeting that started at five and was still going on after ten. I thought we were f- finished with those days. <laughs> yeah, PJ, it was a long one. It started at half five and I think it was... Uh, it must have been gone half ten anywhere that it finished. Like, so, Jesus, yeah, it was budget long, meetings long... used to take that long. <laughs> no, no, no. But it seems to be the trend now... Um, Recently, that because we only have one public meeting a month, like so they are longer. Right. And look, we had a, you know we had some discussions last night. As you know, my colleague Control and Ring yes. was indicating that he's standing down, and we had various discussions, including housing debates and discussion about what's happening. Um, as you were discussing yourself this morning, what's happening in Gaza. So there was a lot to be discussed last night, PJ. So it was a late one, like you know. Fair enough. All right. Not not exactly that that family friendly for anyone with small children wanting to go home and mind them. Yeah, yeah I look, and I think it's you know, but look, that's part of it. As I said, this is one public meeting um, a month, like so. I suppose you had to get through a lot of business. Yeah. But as I said, as I was driving home last night, eleven o'clock, I saw those lights. And I was saying, you know, it's about what's going on here, like you know. So, um, yeah, it's just look. As I said, it's not ideal, but. You know, hopefully we'll be finished now in the, in the next couple yeah. of nights. I was a bit surprised, by the way, when I saw the news from Olin Ring. He's, he's only in. He only took over from Henry Kremen. Is this a year or two ago, if not even that? Yeah, and I think maybe you kind of touched on yourself there, um, PJ, in a way. Like, Olin is um, is a teacher. He's a full-time teacher, and he's two, uh, two, small, two small children, and... As he said last night in his, you know, in his statement that he just felt that he couldn't give it a hundred percent anymore, trying right. to combine combine everything uh, to, together. And you know what I was saying last night, kind of bittersweet moment for the Sinn Féin group and the council and the party in general, because Olin brought a lot to it. You know, he was very well got in his community. Fantastic. Are you there, Mick? Yeah. Yeah, he came in full of enthusiasm after after Henry stepped down. Across the board last night, councillors were saying it was the honourable thing to do. I mean, he could have carried on, and I reckon he would have been elected, but um, he could have carried on and just stayed in there and went through the motions, but that's not the type of okay. person Owen is, you know. He said, look, I just can't. I can't do it. I can't sign up for another five years. And, all right, all right. Well, we wish him. We wish him well in the, in his decision. Um, thank you very much, Mick. And I know he 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 said he'd be remaining involved with the party and be involved in the election campaign next next May and whatever or June, whenever it's on. Thank you for that. Um, not much really of a, by way of relief for the two ladies. Uh, it's going to be for the next couple of nights, Sandra and Dee. Yeah, according to McDonald's, it was three nights. Two to three nights. Yeah, and it's and it's, it's, like the, it's, the, it's, it's the completion of the waterworks that started. And a I under, weeks, yeah, yeah, I understand that all has to be done. Like, but there is proper times that that can be done. Like I said, after nine o'clock, yeah. and up until seven or eight at night, yeah. they're still getting their hours in. I can't see what the emergency was like. Seems seem like seems it took them two months just to dig that area alone. 
Yeah, yeah. they were saying that that's the best time to do it when you're digging up the whole road. But look, it is what it is and hopefully it'll be done by the end of the week. To Dee and to Sandra and to Councillor McNugent, thank you all and indeed our best wishes to Councillor Olin Ring who has decided not to continue. 0818 96 96 96. Right, before I go, just go to the break there, lads. Um, we're going to do the budget because there's a couple of comments in that I want to get to before quitting time to see how much of it will actually be done for people. So according to all your newspapers this morning, there will be a change to the higher rate of income tax. You won't go on the higher rate now until you're earning more than €42,000. There's a slight cut coming in the universal social charge and also a slight change in the universal social charge band. In other words, where one rate ends and another kicks in. And the calculations they were making this morning in the papers were that that should be average. That little package there should be worth between 800 and and €1,000 to most middle-income workers, which wouldn't be bad at all. There's that. Uh, then there's minimum wage is expected to go up. There will be more emergency credits for energy credits. Energy credits. We're not too sure whether it'll be 2 by 200 or 3 by 150, but there are more energy credits coming. Uh, all social welfare will go up by €12 Euro from January. There'll be a lump sum for the carers and a lump sum for disability and a lump sum for fuel allowance. Um, a 400. There'll be a double child benefit payment. Free school books for secondary school up to junior cycle starting from next summer. A cut in college fees for certain families, families with an income of less than 100,000. Uh, fees will be cut to 1,500. And an increase in third level grants. Also an increase in the payments to gather recruits, which, which isn't a bad thing. And uh, 50, the reduction in public transport fares, that'll be up, for to, up to the age of 25 now. So they're the basics, as will be announced by Michael McGrath at, at one o'clock. Some of your suggestions that have been coming in during the course of the morning... Um, John said, why give these lump sums? Why not give them to either everybody or to nobody? Because you'd create difference. That's interesting. Uh, in the last budget, pensioners got 10 euro, but not their spouses, says Mary in Toker. What does that mean, Mary? You're saying if there were two pensioners in the one house, only one of them got the tenner? That doesn't sound, sound right. Cut the tax on fags and booze. The stress of life is killing us. Well, there'll be no increase in the price of drink tonight. But there will be an increase in the price of cigarettes. They were looking at one of the papers this morning was saying 20 cents. Another paper was saying 50 cents on the pack of 20. So that's almost certain to get a, a rattle. Forget about petrol, PJ. Get yourself an electric. Best move I ever made. Cheaper tax, cheaper insurance, way cheaper service and running costs even after the increase in electricity prices. Yeah, but the bloody car's flipping expensive to get one. Now, would prep prefer a proper rise in core social welfare rather than these one-off payments? Also, the €12 Euro will be put back until January. It should be for midnight. Like the taxes on cigarettes and alcohol, anything else will be for midnight. So do the same with the welfare. And that's a constant point that comes up every single year. 
Declan then was on about there will be an interest rate relief package in this for some mortgage holders who've struggled. And Declan says, I understand why people with mortgages are getting relief when their mortgages are with vulture funds. But why are some people with trackers getting relief? Back in 2008 and onwards, when people on trackers were laughing with a 0% European rate, the people with variable and fixed mortgages were paying through the roof. Both Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael said they couldn't do anything for those people. So how now can they do something for people on trackers? Trackers had the benefit of low rates for years. So now they should have to roll with it when the rates have gone up. And that's from Declan. I had a tracker for the last, goodness knows, I'd say seven or eight or nine years, I'd say. Yeah, we did well out of it, Declan. We do. Now, I fixed earlier this year. I went and filled out the forms and fixed for a few years because I could see the tracker going up and up and up. But some people don't have really a choice. With it. They've, got to, they've got to run the risk with the tracker. That's a good point, though, Declan. That's a good point. They had it easy for years, people on tracker mortgages. 0818 96 96 96. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cox 96 FM. Two grand minute. With Peaky Barbers, they know the value of loyalty and a fresh fade at any age. Search Peaky Barbers Cork. I'm in love with the money. Listen to play at 7.40 and 8.40 every day. Answer 10 questions in 60 seconds to claim 2,000 euros. 2,000 euros. Yeah, Lorraine and Ross in the morning. Get money. 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 Oh my God. The money. Of Cork's 96 FM. Tomorrow on... The opinion line, we will look back at the budget package, the best by by a long distance summary ever done of the budget is done by a good friend of the show, John Lowe, the money doctor. And John will send that summary through to us uh, late tonight. We'll have a good re- read of it in the morning and we'll have all the details of what's there, what's not there. And John will give us a run through it. And if you're watching your newspapers, watching your news bulletins, listening to the radio, following it on Quicks or whatever you're following on these days and you've a thought on the budget for the morning then we would love to hear from you too uh, at 083 396 96 96 or overnight if you have a, an instant thought on the budget as it's read out or as you digest it this evening uh, pop us an email to opinion at 96fm.ie and we'll take some of your calls on the show tomorrow now 12,000 euro or well over 12,000 euro has been raised by very grateful parents in Crosshaven and they've raised that money for Cork University Hospital and for Temple Street in Dublin as a thank you because this this Thursday I think it is certainly this week young TJ Murphy from Crosshaven will reach his first birthday and it's a birthday that many times in the last uh, 12 months his mammy Emma just thought he might not make. But there's a beautiful pictures of him on the Echo and the GoFundMe or the uh, fundraiser page has pictures of a beautiful, smiling boy who's put down a fairly rough year of it. Um, 
Emma, tell me about this young rock star. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Yeah, um, so TJ uh, is turning one this Thursday. Um, so he had a kind of a bit of a shaky start to the poor guy. Um, I suppose we, uh, all along the pregnancy was fine. Um, at a 36-week scan, um, our consultant noticed that there was a bit of fluid build up on in and around his brain. Um, and of course, this was just completely unexpected. And I suppose when you're first time parents, I think even, you know, no matter if you're a first time parent or you're a 12th time parent, you know, pregnancy can be a bit of a scary and daunting thing. So when something like this kind of goes wrong, it is, it's, it's, it's just terrifying. Your kind of world stands still. So I suppose we were kind of just swept along then, I think looking back now, um, I think it was just a complete kind of a hurricane that came at us. So um, I had to have an emergency section. Um, and I suppose they kind of had said to us that they didn't know the extent of the damage until I suppose he was kind of out and that they could properly assess him and he'd have a brain MRI and things like that. So when we were in Cork, I had him in the CUMH and the staff there were just amazing, uh, just so good. Um, so they whisked him off for um, an MRI and of course he just showed that he had a condition called hydrocephalus, which is kind of fluid buildup on the brain, which obviously causes pressure in the skull, which in turn then, you know, can damage, I guess, the brain. So Sure. So you you had a C-section, an emergency section, Thursday, this Thursday last year, a year ago yes. Thursday. Yeah, 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 yeah. Was he a very sick little boy when he was born, he was? He, oh, he was, yeah, he was, the poor guy. I suppose his head was, his head was just, you know, the, the, the diameter of his head, he was, I think, you know, it was three times maybe the size it should have been. There was so much fluid in there, you know. Um, so yeah, it was like he was. It was very hard to look at him. Um, you know, he always had kind of loads of wires, and you know, like I suppose when you're trying to hold your your, your newborn baby and they've got wires hanging off them everywhere, you know, it is. It's it's incredibly tough. Um, but I have to say, like even all the, the the staff in the neonatal unit in Cork and the doctors and like even the ambulance drivers, everyone we met along the way were just so comforting and you know just really kind. And I think when you're in a situation, that's what you need. You just need somebody to wrap you in cotton wool and just kind of you know like bring bring you along, you know. So we um we were transferred then to Temple Street. So we were under the care of the neurosurgeons in Temple Street. So they accepted TJ. And uh, we went up by ambulance then. I think he might have been three or four days old when we went up. Um, and there he was MRI'd again. And it was decided that they would, there was a bleed on the brain. He had a clot in the brain. Um, so they kind of had to go in and clean all that kind of, I suppose, mess up. Um, so that's what they did. They they brought him down um, to theatre. Um, and he came up then and he had like a little drain in his head. Basically, it was kind of flushing um, fluid through the brain to try and clean out all the blood. Um, so that was really, that was incredibly hard, actually. You know, he was in a lot of pain. Um, you know, I suppose we were all just at a loss. And I suppose we were in Dublin as well. You know, you're away from home. And it it it, it, it does, you know, it, it, it was just completely overwhelming. It yeah, really was. Yeah. To, to, see, to see such a tiny, tiny little creature going into a huge, big, noisy MRI. I mean, I've been in an MRI myself. You know, they're, they're, they're not the most pleasant place. Watching your... Yeah three or four day old going into one must be terrifying oh yeah it was it really you know it was and I mean I think I think when we look back now I think you kind of we almost just kind of just we were running on on adrenaline and running on autopilot you know I think you just at the time I think you just just you just keep going with the 
with, with the flow. But I think looking back now, like it was really traumatizing um, to see our child go to like, our firstborn baby, you know, your first time parents. And it's frightening. It's frightening. It was a huge blood blister he had in his brain, was it like that? Yeah, like a, 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 yeah, like a clot. Um, and then I think like the fluid and stuff built up behind the clot, which then caused a bleed. Um, so yeah, it was just, it was just everything was just, it was just unknown territory, really. Like, I mean, I've never had to, you know, meet a neurosurgeon or, you know, e- even becoming a mom. It was, it was just all such a. It was such a huge mountain to climb at the time, you know, it was just kind of, God, is this ever going to end? Are we ever, yeah. you know, going to see normalcy after this? So, um, yeah, so he had another operation. Then two days later, they weren't happy. So he'd go back down to theatre again. Um, and this time he found it hard to wake up. Um, so that was really scary, really, really frightening that time. So they brought him to the ICU in Temple Street and they intubated him. So basically it meant that there was like a machine breathing for him. Yeah. Um, and yeah, he was in the ICU for seven days in kind of a little incubator. So we couldn't touch him or anything. And he was kind of being fed through a tube. So he's had two major operations and he's only a week old yet. Yes, yeah, I think wow. he was six days old. Wow. Yeah, and they kind of said if an adult had sustained that, like I don't think they, they said an adult couldn't have done you know, what, what he went through in the two days. You know, I think babies, and I, I really do believe this now because the, the amount of people that had said the resiliency of babies, and I think you actually have to see it to really believe it because you don't think somebody that's that small, um, you know, has such fight. Yeah. Uh, but they do, you know, and he really, he came out swinging, you know. So um, he just, yeah, he was moved down out, out of ICU down to the wards then in Temple Street. And he just kind of picked up really quick after that. Um, so, yeah, we got transferred back to Cork in an ambulance and then he finally got to come home. How old was he when he got to come home? He was about four weeks old, so he was yeah. a month old. Okay. Yeah, so it was a lot kind of happened in the in the, in the month. Um, but, uh, yeah, so we got to meet his granny Burr and his granny Mary and his papa Gerald and his aunts and the uncles and everything. So it was really, really lovely to be able to, you know, have that normal you know, come home with your newborn baby and the excitement of it, you know, because it, it really, like, I really didn't think that, you know, it was even going to happen at one point, you know, really? that we were going to be able to bring it. Yeah, it was just, some days were just harder than others where, you know, positivity wasn't great, you know, and it, it, it's hard to keep going when you're in a situation like that. Yeah, it, everyone says, oh, be positive, it'll all be fine, or the, yeah. the doctors know what they're doing, and you think, I know the doctors know what they're doing, I know that they're willing to what they do, but I'm still terrified. Oh, like it's 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 terrifying, and I think kind of the way that I kind of dealt with it was, you know, instead of looking at this humongous kind of a mountain in front of me, it was kind of breaking my day up into okay, get up out of bed, okay, go have a shower, go have your breakfast, and you when you break those, you kind of steps down like yeah. into small little things. It kind of you know, it it doesn't feel as such a huge task to you know get to the hospital, get through the day. You know, you just break it down into little things you have to do, and you know, once you kind of reach through all those points, then you kind of feel like you're getting somewhere, you know, rather than looking at it as one whole problem when he came home then that wasn't the end of it no no so we we got him home um and then about um i'd say we were home maybe two and a half three weeks um and his head began to increase in size again like you could physically see it you know like growing um and um we went to cuh um you know he was just very sick he was vomiting and you could tell he was distressed so we went to cuh um he's an incredible pediatric doctor there um, and they transferred us again to Dublin. Um, and then it was decided that they'd insert um, something called a VP shunt. Yes. Um, so that's basically, it's just basically a little small drain that sits in behind his ear. 
and it's all under the under the skin and then a tube runs from the drain in his head down into his belly and he just excretes the the, the excess fluid then through that so it's almost yeah it's 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 it's, it's incredible actually yeah so so again just to break it down for like just for for layman's so he's got this problem where his brain produces too much fluid and the, the doctors have put in a little drain that drains it for him and now they've put in a little valve on the drain it, it's one drain yeah um, and then they, they program it so it opens and closes at different pressures um, so they can increase and decrease that then based on the flow. So if his head was over draining, you know, they'd turn it down. If his head was if, if his head was filling up too quick, they'd turn it up. Right. And is this something he has to go to hospital for or can you manage it at home? Oh, this would be something we go to hospital for. Now, thankfully, since it's gone in, we haven't had a single issue with it. It's been in since February. So we haven't had any issue with it. Now, he's, he's monitored closely by the neurosurgeons in Dublin and Temple Street. So we kind of, we're, we're, we're up and down there kind of maybe every three months. Um, to see them and they just have a quick peek at him and you know it's so far it's just been it's been great and he really has now come on like leaps and bounds he's just such a happy child and you know really social loves all his food loves the cuddles you know he's just yeah. just like a really normal happy baby which is incredible considering what he's gone Absolutely. through is, is he hitting little milestones now he is you know he has he was diagnosed with cerebral palsy in june um on one side, on his on his right side, um, right. he was diagnosed with cerebral palsy, which I suppose we were kind of expecting based on the trauma to his head, you know, that there was going to be, you know, little little setbacks for him. Yeah. But um, we're, we're managing that through Enable Ireland through physiotherapies and occupational therapies and things like that. So it's, he, he is a little bit slower with the motor skills, definitely. Sure. But, um, you know, for, 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 from what he's gone through, um, you know, it's incredible that he's... Um, the way he is, anything at all now to, to help him get along will, will will just be incredible for us. Yeah. So it's his first birthday on Thursday, and yes. uh, were there were there times, Emma, that you worried he wouldn't get to that day? Oh God, yeah. Like I, there were some days where you know I didn't think he was going to be coming home, and obviously we were, we we were having the nursery built here at home, and we had to actually put a stop to it. Um, you know, when, when we found out, because I suppose I didn't, you know, we didn't know if we were going to be coming home with a baby. So, yeah, it was. It was, um, when I look back now, I don't know how we did it. You know, I don't know how we, I don't know how we managed the way we did, but we did. And I think that's just because we've such an incredible support group around us. We've got incredible friends. We've got incredible families, you know. So that all helps, you know, all these things tie in. Just the, the kindness and support we were shown, I think, really and truly, you know, went a long way to help us get through it. And you did the fundraiser, to mark his birthday because I think you know we all talk about these fabulous people that work with the very tiniest of babies but you and Tomas Emma you've met so many of them in the last 12 months and they really are there's no words to describe how good they are no there really isn't and I think what blows my mind when I look when I think back on these people I'm like these people go off and they dedicate their lives to saving children I'm like just such an an incredible vocation to take to you know be out every day saving the lives of small children and it's only I think when you really come face to face with these people and you see what they do that you really appreciate just how incredibly talented and you know life-saving things that they're doing you know for they, they saved our child you know and there's no like we'll be forever forever grateful and you know indebted to the staff of Temple Street and CUH for what they did yeah yeah no they are wonderful people and you, like you said there are no words there's a lovely there's a lovely quotation that I wanted you to tell me about it's to do with a boy a horse and a storm what's that about Emma so um, in, in, in Temple Street on the wards, um, in kind of they have like kind of tea rooms where you can make cups of tea and things but they kind of have all these lovely 
um, pictures um, on the walls and things like that, you know, kind of inspirational quotes and things like that. And there was one night in the middle of the night down making a cup of tea and it's just this lovely quote on the wall and it just says, um, this storm is making me tired, said the boy. And then it says, well, the storm will tire too, said the horse, so hold on. And I think that really was just, this will pass, this will pass and this will get better and this can't last forever. And it didn't. But, you know, sometimes I think, you know, even now, like to this day, if I'm having you know a bad time or I'm having a bad day, I still think of that quote that like these things don't last forever. You know, and the storm eventually does pass. And it did. It did. And we have an incredible little boy that just means the world to us. Yeah. What's he like now? Tell me about him. Oh, so listen, he's just, just, he's just incredible. He's just so bubbly and social and full of life and, you know, really loves people. And I think it's just because he was around so many yeah, people used to when people. he was born. Um, that he's just really, you know, everyone that meets him, he puts, you know, he has a big smile for everyone, loves his grub. He's a great sleeper, which is a really good thing as well. Um, but yeah, he's just, you know, he's he's the light of our lives and he's just, he's, he's absolutely perfect to us, you know. Um, and I think really, you know, it's, I, I think there's nothing this child can't do, you know. I think if you can get through what he's gotten through, you know, the world is his oyster and the sky is the limit, I think, really. Yeah, you're you're overwhelmed with love, Emma, I think. Honestly, PJ, we have been blown away. It just, yeah, yeah. Just he, this, 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 this little person is just, after blowing us away completely with just his strength and his bravery and, you know, his just general amazing little self that he is. <laughs> All right. Well, you go and enjoy his first birthday with him this I week. Will be, thank you. And congratulations on your, your uh, award as well. Ah, you're very kind. You're very kind. Thank you very much, Emma. Take care. My best to everybody. Thank you very much. Thank you. See ya. Happy birthday to TJ on Thursday. 0818 96 96 96. Good one, Richie, on the rate of tax for the budget. Might get it in before the end of the programme. Small little bit tight on time, but we'll see where we go. If not, we'll get to it tomorrow after the budget is announced today. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Corks 96 FM. Frank says the bit that Michael McGrath is holding back in the budget is a 30% pay increase for the producers of Gold Award winning presenters. <laughs> oh, Frank, they'd be thrilled with you out there if you're true, if you're right with that one. 0818 96 96 96. Now, Oshin Davis, this is a gorgeous book, but what throws me a little bit is the pictures of the cocktails in it. Because that's what they're supposed to look like when an expert like you makes them. <laughs> when I make them, they're going to look nothing like that. Good morning to you. <laughs> Good morning. What's the crack of you? Well, I'm all right. I'm all right. I, I'm a fellow who likes the occasional cocktail. So okay, I'm fascinated. Irish Kitchen Cocktails. Uh, 60 drinks you can make at home with everyday equipment. And as I said, the pictures are professionally taken. So, you know, my Irish mule is going to look nothing like yours. <laughs> well, look, the whole idea is I'm trying to demystify cocktails. I'm trying to show people that, you know, you actually don't even need any professional equipment to mix these up. So the whole point of the book is to show people that they're so easy to make. You can just make them with, you know, everything from punch bowls to, you know, that water jug that you've got there on the shelf. Yeah. I have a whole chapter dedicated to cocktails that you can make with a Nutribullet or just a kitchen blender. And then I'm also trying to show people that they can be made with Irish spirits. 
Because every cocktail that's in there, not only does it call for no professional equipment to mix it with, but actually calls for Irish spirits and Irish ingredients and every single one. I noticed that there's whiskey, there's gin, there's vodka, there's rum, but there's also pochine. There's a fair sup of pochine to this. There's there's plenty of pochine cocktails. Uh, So, I mean... But, uh, for those who aren't aware, Putching has been decriminalized since the 90s. So you don't need to kind of go to that, that dodgy uncle that you have up on the hills that still makes Putching, uh, <laughs> you know, in a somewhat illicit manner. You, you, can, you can buy it in all good off licenses now. So just to, just to make, make, make that clear. But we have, you know, Putching is actually our, our, our oldest known spirit. We were making Putching before we were making, making whiskey here in Ireland. And a lot of the time it, it is actually just like unaged whiskey. But it can be really, really versatile and you can make yeah. it into lots of different drinks. Yeah, we do massive gins. I mean, some of our gins are the best in the world. So anything with the gin in it, put an Irish gin in there, it's going to be great. Oh, look, you know, we have gins like Gunpowder made there in Drumshambo. Uh, that's now one of the biggest gins in, in America, one of the biggest premium gins yeah. in America. And we have Dingle that's sure that you can see that all over the shop Dingle's now. Massive. So we, ha- Dingle's we are really massive. nailing our gins. Yeah, yeah. really, really. Uh, they, and they, they taste brilliant. Yeah, they really are. So you maintain I can make any one of these without fancy shakers or anything like that? Absolutely. Look, I have very simple instructions. And, you know, I try and do this in, in, in as, you know, uh, an easygoing manner as possible. And it didn't happen overnight, I might add. These, some of these recipes now uh, literally go back 10 years. You know, what happened was I first met the publisher uh, nearly 10 years ago now when I was having to create recipes for the Super Value magazine and she was the editor. And my brief there was, you know, you have to make these very simple and they have to be the kind of ones that you can, you know, uh, have a few serves with. So, you know, not just making one serve for one person, maybe making it for six to ten people, you know. Mm. And uh, that's that's how I started creating these recipes. And then, uh, you know, she was the editor then, but now she's become a publisher, and and, and she was the one who who gave us yeah. gave me the idea to to put them all into the book, you know. But there's just so there's there's years of of of, of uh, blood, sweat, and tears gone into these recipes, you know. Well, two favourites in our house would be uh, the Moscow Mule, which we even have the Lovely. goblets. We even have the goblets for the mules, right? So you you make it into an Irish mule, presumably using mm-hmm. an Irish vodka, but you you freeze it as well. Yeah, look, so do you remember when, when, when the, we had the first lockdown? That was one of the nicest summers I've ever had in, in, in Dublin and I'm sure the rest of the country as well. And what was gas was, you know, we we, we couldn't go to any bars. Certainly there was none here in, open in Dublin at all. Um, and the, But the irony was that the weather was so nice. So it, it kind of drove me to try and create some interesting drinks with things like Nutribullets and, and, and blenders. And I created um, drinks like the frozen uh, Jemison ginger ale and lime and then the frozen Irish mule. And essentially it's it's all about getting the the, the, um, the balance of, of, of sugar and, and lemon juice right and, and then, or lime juice for the meal that is, and then just getting the uh, the, the correct amount of ice into into, yeah. into the cocktail. And I detail all that in the book. You know, it's, there's I have the frozen gin and tonic. There's the frozen pochine pina colada. <laughs> there's a frozen um, frozen Irish meal. You'd be staying home after that. that one. You wouldn't be going to the pub at all. And I see your <laughs> your working magic as well with another favorite of mine, the espresso martini. Are you putting Bailey's oh, God, in yeah. that? 
Oh, uh, no, I, no. I mean, I have a couple of different versions of it. Like, I know you, you have. can make it with the blender, yeah. And But what I do is I use an Irish vodka for that. It's, it's a vanilla vodka. Mm-hmm. And it's absolutely uh, stunning when you mix it with the, you know, the coffee and the cure and then that strong hit of espresso in there. Uh, I, I think that, you know, drinks like the espresso martini are just a, a, a beautiful way to, to wrap up a meal. You know, it's, it'll help help you digest your, your meal. But then, of course, put a little pep in your step as well, you know. Uh, yeah. And I have strong feelings about things like the, the Irish coffee as well. I, I, go, I, I have a, the, the longest co- recipe I have in the book is for the Irish coffee because I think there's there's all these little steps that you have to just adhere to in order to get them right. But once you make right. it a couple of times, do you ha- you have a, a yeah. good for life? You yeah, know? like that that it's got to be black and white. It's got to look like a hot small Guinness. Otherwise, if one is oh, going, yeah. yeah, and there's a skill in it. There's a skill in that. Oh, I've made uh, m- more than my fair share over over the years, uh, and I you know what I think that. You know, what? what's gas is the Irish coffee is actually one of the most popular cocktails on the entire planet. And people don't realize, number one, that it's a cocktail, and number two, that it's so popular. You can go to countries all over the world and you'll see an Irish coffee pop up. But enough, we don't do enough uh, Irish coffees in our restaurants and our bars here. You know, the, I think the restaurants and bars in, 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 in Ireland should be nailing that drink because it's, you know, it's number one, it's a national drink. And number two, it's, it's, it's a great way to make an extra few quid. And it's, you know, something that tourists all want as well. So I have strong feelings on that drink. I love it. <laughs> they do. Yeah, I'd be, I'd, be, I'd be more dragging myself now towards a Calypso myself. But I love an Irish coffee. The book is out. <laughs> it's called Irish Kitchen Cocktail, 60 Drinks You Can Make at Home. You're launching it tomorrow evening. Now, now there's a place with a sexy cocktail list anyway. You're in cask tomorrow evening. You know what I'm going to say? And I don't mind saying this, but... I actually think that the bars in Cork City are better than the ones in Dublin City. Oh, well, we and told you that without it, you even asking, you know? No, I, honest to God, I actually just love hitting the bars in, in, in Cork City, more so than the ones I do in Dublin. Probably because I'm here in Dublin enough anyway. But Cask is one of my favourite bars on the entire planet. I absolutely love it. Right. I love the whole team there. So I'm delighted to say that I'm doing the Cork launch there tomorrow. And you can get tickets on Eventbrite. So what we're doing is, because it's a small enough space, we... We, we, we can't just throw out the invite to, to everyone. But what we're asking is, go on to Eventbrite. If you look, if you search for Cask, you'll see that we're selling tickets for uh, for the event. And if you, if you buy a ticket, we'll give you a signed copy of the book and a free cocktail. We have uh, some lovely cocktails courtesy of our friends from Blackwater uh, Gin. So we're, so that's going to be great crack. And the tickets are nearly sold out. So I would, okay. I'd urge everyone to, uh, to to come join us and, and have the crack with us tomorrow night. In good, class. good good luck with the book and congratulations on it. And it'll be a, it will be a stocking filler for the Christmas for anyone who likes to make or try a cocktail. Thanks a lot for that. Uh, Oshin, Oshin Davis. All right, that's it. We're slammed up against a program edited by Imro Hay, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. Budget today, analysis tomorrow, just after nine. Join the conversation. PJ Coogan on the opinion line. Gold winner for speech broadcaster of the year, local regional at the Imro Radio Awards 23. Cox 96 FM. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.